This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jeffrey is like the friend of yours who tries to bring you down. You are friends, but he keeps insulting you. He's like the bottom of the bucket crab. You make attempts to improve yourself and Jeffrey reels you back in. Just one more game. I need someone to play support. You've been trying to improve yourself to get onto the good habits, but Jeffrey needs a partner for his instant gratification. And so time and time again, you find yourself sucked back into the pleasurable moments of video games, drugs, drinking, partying. Jeffrey isn't a good friend. So why have you stayed around? The truth is that you don't fully respect yourself and you aren't ready to go it alone. You would rather have someone who's a bad influence on you rather than be the only influence on yourself. And that's a shame. But it's hard because he's one of the very few friends that you do have. Adonis. Adonis doesn't have friends. He has a band of brothers, a tight-knit group of high-value men who are strong, like-minded and generous and kind, community-orientated. Adonis's brothers have the values that Adonis himself respects. That's what makes them so great together. Adonis did go through the trials and tribulations of being the lone warrior, but he knows that the real success in life comes when you find a good quality group of friends. <clears throat> How does it feel to have a good group of friends? Kind of hurts to even think about it, bro. When I was in primary school, I would have been around age 11. At the end of primary school, at the end of year six, there's like a prom that everyone goes to. And I remember that my group of friends were gonna join this other like girl group and all get into the, like the same limo. I remember the girl who was hosting this, that still, it still hurts bro, come up to me with her friends and like a couple of my friends were next to me and she said, she asked me to like rip my ticket, like rip the invitation that she didn't want me to come. Like I'd never really even spoke to her and my friend was like defending me. Inside of my mind, I didn't even think, I just automatically blurted out, oh, I, I couldn't come anyway. And so I didn't go to the year six prom. At the end of high school in the year, 11 prom so i'm about 15 or 16 a similar thing happened where the friends that i had been with through all of high school we all arranged like a limousine to go to prom there was only enough spaces for like seven people or something and i i had one of those like you know seats there up until a friend's girlfriend's friend wanted to join and then i was like kicked out of the group and so my dad dropped me off like in his car like in, oh man i'm still i'm still 
salty about that one. But um, I never really had like a great group of friends. I've had like pretty good friends here and there and people who I've been closer to. But through that high school and primary school period, I had people who I considered friends. But when I look back now with these new updated values and more respect and love for myself, they weren't friends. They were people who I did instant gratification shit with. They were people who I played video games with and people who I just had to like sit next to in class. And just because we would make each other laugh, I considered that we were friends. But that's not what friendship really is. Fast forward to university and I put in a big amount of effort to up my confidence and actually make a group of friends myself. And here was when I felt like I had, you know, my first real friends that were doing stuff together. But it was always revolving partying. And what's interesting is that once the parties stopped, once I stopped going out and taking drugs, the friendships disappeared. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Most friendships are fake. Most people are only friends with the substance that they take together, not with the other people. Take some time to be introspective and critical of the friends that you have and ask yourself truly, what would happen if you don't have that substance that you guys bond over? Would you still be friends? Do you still get into deep conversations? Just today, I was sat in the car with my friend Chris. He's the one who appears a lot on my Instagram and my Instagram's linked in the description. I looked at him and I said, I say this with love. And like, he looked at me kind of seriously because it's kind of like, you know, a weird way to start a sentence. And I said, I lost respect for you. I said this to him. I lost respect for you because I've seen you go against the values that I know that you have for yourself. My friend Chris is a man of faith. He's Catholic. And recently he's been sleeping with a girl that he knows isn't going to be his wife. And so, you know, he's had a little bit of like a, his first experience of the degenerate life. And this is literally like the third girl he's ever slept with. This is like a handsome this guy gets girls. This guy could get it like a lot more girls. He could sleep with a lot more girls, but he's always held off with that sense of like, you know, staying faithful. This is his first experience of the degenerate lifestyle. And he kind of knew that it wasn't for him, but he just kept on going back for the sake of pleasure. And it was only today that I kind of like, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to call him out on his bull that he told him that. And within like an hour, he's saying like, yeah, like he's just going to end it with this girl. And like, he appreciates me telling him. That's what good friends, that's what brothers do. We call each other out on each other's you need a friend or hopefully friends who can do this for you, who not only are nice to you, who you not only have laughs with, but who can sometimes be critical and actually help you grow. Because if your friendship is only based on good vibes and you're just going out and taking drugs, that's not a f friendship. You're both crackheads. You're just being crackheads next to each other because it amplifies the fun. That is not friendship. Good friendship is when the other person knows your values and helps you stick to them. It's when the other person helps you grow and you help them. It's when you unite and share the same mission. It's when you go through trials and tribulations together and you get into deep conversations. The first video editor that I got for this channel, Sam, has become one of my best friends and we've only seen each other twice. And that is a guy who calls me out on my every single week. I can't explain how valuable he has been to my own self-improvement and of course the YouTube channel. And recently I've made a bigger group of friends in the gym. I'm surrounded by such beautiful, kind people. Me and my friend Chris met these other two guys called Scott and Zach. Scott is actually like a Chad guy that I made a video about. I literally said that I copied his fashion sense when I went to the gym and he's become one of my best friends. Then us four planned to go on a hike together and we started inviting so many people and we got like 10 people out with us. This feels like the first time where I've actually had like a healthy group of friends where we literally like we talk about our feelings and our missions and our purpose and trauma. I've never experienced this before. We express like love for each other. We literally tell each other that we're grateful for each other like every single day. We see each other almost every single day in the gym and we always like stand around for like 20 minutes like literally crying, laughing about just random that comes up. I feel so grateful to have people like that in my life and I can't explain how much that's helped my self-improvement. Not only for the practice of social skills, imagine for the gym. I literally go to the gym with my friend Chris almost every single day and we're hitting mad PRs. We literally keep joking that we've got our noob gains back because when you're underneath that bar and your friend is telling you that you're strong and you're going to hit those reps, bro, you hit those reps. Weightlifting alone by yourself is nothing like it is when you're lifting with a friend. Chances are that you don't have that great group of friends just yet, but you do want to get here. You need to go through the trials and tribulations of improving 
improving your social skills, just like everyone else who's gotten to this position. When I speak to my newest friends and we talk about our previous friends, all of us have had a quite similar story where we had like a bad group of friends mixed with drugs and partying and we branched away from them, went through a period of loneliness and then we started to make new friends after that. You have to embrace that period of solitude. Loneliness is one of the worst things that you can feel, but it's better than being around someone who's driving you to the ground. It's better to be by yourself than it is with bad influences and of course it's a million times better to be with good influences than it is with either of those. But generally you'll only really have the capacity to make new high quality friends if you're not currently spending time with low quality people who are bad influences on you because let's say you want to make a great group of friends which revolve around the gym and hiking and mental health. Well the truth is they don't want to be friends with you whilst you're still friends with Jeffrey. Whilst you're still playing video games every day you're not going to meet those guys. One hour of video shut the f up bro. Whilst you're eating Food, you're not gonna meet people who eat clean. Whilst you spent all day playing video games, you're not gonna meet the guys who go out for a hike. When I moved back to my family's house, I didn't speak to like a, a single new person, like a friendship wise, for about three to four months. And it was only out of pure luck that I met my friend Jonathan, who I was literally in the park just training with the gym rings. He walked past, he was like, Oh, you're, you're training with the gym rings. He trains too. And he hopped on and we became friends and we trained together all the time. It was only after a period of solitude when I started to do the good habits. That's when I started to meet better people. But it's so hard to take that first step alone especially if you've got quite a long history and you don't want to offend anyone and you don't want to like burn bridges especially if you have a sense of leadership in you and you really want to help your jeffrey friends improve themselves but it's just kind of hard just like everything else we do you have to keep in mind that this is a process that it's not going to come quick you're not just going to suddenly make new friends just because you watch this video you have to put some action in watching this video doesn't count don't be a after this video, do some kind of journaling, introspectiveness and actually decide, is your group of friends high quality? Because chances are you're watching all this, they're probably not. Devise a plan in which you could be surrounded by high quality people and then also start thinking of ways that you can start to speak to them. Do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. Mwah. You wanna know how I met my best friend? I went up to him in the gym and I asked him if he could watch my stuff whilst I went to the toilet. And between you and me, I didn't need to go to the toilet. So he said, yes, he'll watch my stuff. I went to the toilet, I stood there. <laughs> I literally just stood in the toilet for like 10 seconds and came back up, fist bumped him and then said, oh, thank you for watching my stuff and just got into a conversation. That was six months ago. Me and Chris have had the best workouts of our entire lives since then. In the gym, you have noob gains, which is kind of like you make more muscle when you're a beginner. It feels like we're almost like beginners again with how much progress we're making. I have a brother who I trust who's helping me lift this weight, who's hyping me up, who's like slapping my back and telling me that I'm strong, that I can lift it. I've always been into fitness, pushing myself and weightlifting, but working out and growing with a good friend has been a game changer for me. That's what I'm going to try and help you with in this class. I've read eight social skills books and I've actually really, really put in effort to implement those skills. I'm going to distill all that knowledge, but in a more relatable way. A lot of the social skills books are kind of like outdated, they're old school and they're made for like, you know, older people and professionals. This class is specific specifically for younger people, maybe early 20s, maybe late teens. And you specifically want to make friends online. You want to make friends in a party, in school, in the gym. Before we continue, there's one thing that you need. There's one thing that if you don't have, there's no point watching this class. It's humility. Humility is kind of like the skill of being able to see your weaknesses. It's a skill that is lacking in most people and certainly I still have progress to be made there. It's so important that you have this humility mindset and just think to yourself, you know what? If I had fantastic social skills, if I didn't need to improve my social skills, I would 
already have an abundance of good quality friends. Since I don't right now have an abundance of good quality friends, that must mean that I must improve my social skills. And plus, let's be honest, how much time have we actually leveled up our social skills? This wasn't a class in school. Chances are you've never really been taught this stuff before. You're gonna learn a bunch of the interesting social skills, like how to actually hold better eye contact, body language, posture, the difference between basic and deep conversations, how to actually speak about things that are meaningful. It's those conversations that literally feel like they enrich your soul. And for the Skillshare class project, your task is that as soon as you learn something practical, which will probably be very, very soon, this is a very practical class. As soon as you learn something practical, you go out there and you go and use that thing that you've just learned on a family member, friend, or a stranger. You may have heard of the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's like a social skills and even self-improvement legendary book. It's one of the first books that I read and I did something which I'm so impressed by when I was reading it. When I would read it and I would get any kind of idea of something that I could implement from the book, I would literally set the book down, walk outside of my house and go and use that principle on a stranger. You watching this class all the way through makes me more money, but we're focused on your social skills development here. As soon as you have an idea, go out and implement it. No matter how cringe or uncomfortable, I had to go through the same level of cringe too. It, it is cringe, it is awkward to do some of these things, but what's more cringe and awkward and uncomfortable and painful than you know going out there and trying a social skills principle is loneliness following this class is going to be your plan of action to get out of the horrible pain of loneliness so i hope you'll join me and click on the next video right now the higher your social intelligence the more you'll be able to avoid those awkward moments in the social situation. Social intelligence is kind of like how tuned you are to social cues. So if you have high social intelligence, you'll know exactly when to go up to someone because it's so clear to you that they want to speak to you. And you'll also know exactly when and how to end a conversation without it feeling awkward or weird. That is an awesome skill to have to improve your social life. Now to level up your social intelligence, you don't actually have to be great in social situations right now. Just like in video games, Games, we have to start at a low level and the low level always gets like hurt more by the monsters and the low level dies that's how you have to acknowledge a lot of social situations when you first start when you go through those awkward cringy moments you know you've like said something wrong or everyone seems to be like looking at you something but you still carry on with this pursuit of leveling up your social skills and trying to make more friends it's like your brain starts to learn and correct course for next time as long as you don't quit your social intelligence will keep going up as long as you just spend the time being introspective and learning as you're doing here. A lot of people want better social skills. A lot of people want to make more friends. Most people do nothing about it. The fact that you're taking this class right now is increasing your social intelligence. When you go out and practice some of the things that you've learned in this class, your social intelligence will go up even if you end up doing them in a way that wasn't perfect. Even if the other person doesn't even seem receptive to it, your social intelligence skill level went up as long as you don't quit. The paragraph that I'm about to say right now may be the most important of this entire class. Too often guys want to improve their social skills. They want to go up to and make some friends in the gym. They want to even get like ready to speak to girls. They get one bad rejection, one awkward moment, and then they quit because you know, it, it's painful. It, it, it's psychologically, it hurts to get rejected by someone. So then they come home and then they write mean comments on the YouTube video. Like, no, it, it doesn't work. It's pointless. It, it, people aren't nice anyway. I'm a lone wolf. Don't be that guy. You have to understand that rejection and those awkward moments are part of improving your social intelligence. And your social intelligence skill will always keep going up 
as long as you don't quit. To level up your social intelligence skill, you literally just have to practice. You literally just have to practice everything we're doing here. Obviously, the great thing is that you're learning and putting in some intention into your social skills by watching this class. So you're almost automatically bound to get into more social situations because your brain's really gonna be thinking about this class and next time you go to school or the gym or at the workplace, you're gonna kind of remember one of the random things you learned in this class and you'll be like, oh yeah, like maybe I should smile. Maybe I should get into a basic conversation with someone. Get into those opportunities. It's not supposed to feel comfortable right now. It's the exact same as the, the video game analogy works so well, where let's say you're a level 10 and level 10 in this video game can kill chickens. And you know, sometimes the chicken even does some damage back to you. That's the point that you're at right now. But if you go and kill a lot of chickens and you start pushing up to like cows, the chickens become easy. So what feels awkward and cringy and a little bit difficult for you right now, as long as you don't quit, will begin to feel just easy. It'll begin to feel like when you go to the gym and you can increase the weight. So when you go to the gym and you just stick on just the bar, right? Just the, the 20 kg bar. For a lot of beginners, it's actually pretty tough. Like for me, I couldn't even lift that bar 100% I promise like I promise you that this is the truth I couldn't actually bench press the bar when I first started now I'm sticking two plates on I'm sticking like an extra 80 kg on but you have to start with the bar and you have to struggle with it if after that first workout, you know, you hit the empty, the really lightweight in the gym and you were like, oh no, like my, my, my muscles are sore, so I'm not going to go back to the gym. Think about how strange that would be. Like your muscles getting sore is literally part of going to the gym. So these awkward situations where you don't feel so like tuned to the social cues that are happening is part of the journey. The awkward moments is just exactly like the muscle soreness in the gym. Also be sure to understand the open and closed body language that we talked about in the video of this class and the video is titled their body language. Language. make sure you watch that one it's really good to keep in mind open and closed body language because being attuned to that is also going to increase your social intelligence approaching people to make friends in places that you frequently visit is one of probably the best way to make friends and it's the way that I've made the most amount of friends in my life. A lot of young guys ask this question of how to go up and speak to a stranger, how to approach a stranger, maybe a guy, maybe a girl, without seeming creepy or weird. In the previous video of this class, we just spoke about social intelligence. That's what stops something feeling weird or awkward. The guy with great social intelligence, even if he ends up saying something that's not ideal, is almost never perceived as being awkward or weird. Whereas the guy who's got low social intelligence, even if he says the right word, words is always seen as awkward or weird. You've got to understand the social norms of the situation. So let me give you an example. On my YouTube channel, I've spoke a lot about my degenerate days. So the time that I went to university and instead of like being a good student and focusing on studying, I literally just partied. You have to understand the exact social situation that you're currently in and that comes from social intelligence. But one important thing is that feeling creepy or awkward is not the end of the world. And what's worse than feeling creepy or awkward, in my opinion, is feeling lonely. Loneliness is far worse than a momentary awkward situation. So honestly, my advice to young men who you know want to get into social skills, risk being creepy, risk being awkward for the sake of trying to make more friends it's worth it. Now that being said, it's awesome to try and learn what exactly makes an approach feel creepy or weird. General advice for this is go out there and approach hundreds of times so that you understand this. And honestly, that's the advice that I give out to a lot of guys is literally just forget everything else, 
start going out there and start speaking to new people. You may as well take my wisdom because if you're anything like me, places where I've felt creepy, you probably would feel creepy too. Where I've learned over the last few years is that the biggest factor in whether you feel creepy or the situation feels awkward is entirely just on your current mood at the time. When you're currently in like an awkward mood, the entire situation is gonna be very awkward. Whatever mood you're currently in is generally amplified when you get into a social situation. So if right now you feel happy and you feel excited and friendly and grateful, generally if you go up to speak to someone and you carry that same energy, they'll adopt it too. And now you're two people who feel happy, grateful and excited. The number one thing that you can do to reduce how creepy and awkward situations are is visualizations. So most guys visualize against themselves. Before you go and do something, it's like your brain has already visualized how it's gonna go. The issue is our brain generally automatically visualizes against us in a negative way and we don't ever change that we don't manually visualize things so before we go to speak to a new girl or a guy it's like our brain almost envisions us to like do it wrong and everyone's looking at us it's like we get a flash of that like future memory as if it's about to happen if you don't manually visualize something else that's probably what's going to happen because remember our body responds to what we think so if you allow your brain to automatically visualize rejection and failure your body is going to respond to that and now you're specifically going to go up to this person like a failure you're specifically going to go up to this person with closed body language feeling awkward you've already seen yourself getting rejected by them before they've done it what if we flip this script instead of just allowing your brain to negatively visualize against you you manually almost forcefully put in the ideal flash that you want to see or you see the flash of like you like fist bumping the group of guys that you just go and speak to you need to manually put these thoughts into your mind because now think about what happens to your body after you've just visualized success your body responds to what your mind thinks. So instead of going up as the guy who's already been rejected by these people, you now go up as the guy who's already fist bumped and you know become like acquaintances with these guys. So you feel nice and friendly and included in the group. So now when you go up, you've got the, the right energy to get to that end point. There's a few fundamental things that you should know about approaching a stranger and they're all just common sense. So number one, don't shock or scare anyone with your approach. So pretty much just don't come behind them. Don't scare them. Don't like come out of nowhere. One of the worst things that could happen and it's like, you know, she gets scared because you just came out of nowhere. You can still go with success after that. So any of these like things of like, oh, you know, like I, I should do this, I should do this. A lot of it is just dependent on the type of person you are after that initial awkward period. If you are constantly improving your social skills and your social intelligence, even if you mess up and you like shock someone or scare someone and you come up behind them, you'll generally be able to save the day. You'll be able to save that opportunity anyway. The second thing is to make sure that you don't look at someone or you touch someone in a way that could make them uncomfortable. Touch is a very, very important thing. You can come off as creepy and you can come off as like very endearing and connected. So for example, generally the only touch that I'll do on the first time I speak to someone is a fist bump. If I feel really close to them, like we vibed and connected so well, maybe like a little bit of like, not not exactly a pat on the back, but you know, as they're like maybe walking past me or something, I'll be like, yeah, yeah go have, have a good workout or something like that. Now I generally would not even do that with girls. That being said, with girls, I still fist bump. So again, a lot of this is just based upon your social intelligence and your own personality in social situations. Just try to think to yourself, okay what is like the appropriate way to touch each other you do definitely want to break the touch barrier because a conversation where you're just kind of like stood up and then you kind of say goodbye and walk away 
feels a bit weird. So you always want to do some kind of thing of like a handshake or, you know, like one of these ones or one of these or one of these or something, even a hug sometimes. You always want to do something like that because it just, it really smooths in the environment. And of course you can make this a little bit awkward. So a lot of guys, especially white guys, they don't know like how to go for like this type of handshake. And so they'll do it wrong or something, right? And the thing is a lot of guys could say, oh, you know, it's, it's awkward, but it doesn't have to be. You can make a joke out of it. So like when that happens, I literally just laugh at them and say like, oh bro, we just fucked up. Hang on, hang on. Do this bro, do it slowly and stuff. Just two days ago, I went into the gym and like there was a girl I had previously spoke to. I went for a fist bump and then she went for a handshake and she pretty much just cabbaged my hand. And so we laughed about it and I said like, like you've literally just turned me into a cabbage. And it's like, you can make these awkward moments like a funny situation that you guys can bond over. The third thing of avoiding this awkwardness and creepiness is that a lot of my approaches personally have compliments in them. I find that's like the best way to go up is that I straight up just go up and generally in the gym, I'll compliment someone's hard work and I'll compliment their physique. Now you can see that straight away for a lot of guys that might be too far to think, okay, wait, compliment someone's body. This again, like everything we're doing here is balanced as your social intelligence and your social intelligence is literally just how often you're getting into these situations so that you start to like cultivate this idea of what is acceptable or not. So it's important to know which kind of compliments make people feel good and connected to you and which one can actually kind of creep them out a little bit. It's just very, very dependent on you. There's a compliment, for example, that I could say that works for me, that gets like someone interested in me, which if you tried might not come across as well. Compliments are not just words that we speak. It's everything else. It's just who we are. A lot of the social skills in this section of like being creepy or not, it's just about discovering what works for you. So there isn't really like a nice easy answer for me to just tell you, oh yeah, you know, just say this thing because you need to go out there and face the trials and tribulations of being creepy and awkward sometimes. It's not the end of the world. I've been creepy and awkward hundreds of times and it's worth it. It is so, so worth it. I'm so glad that Younger Hamza was creepy and awkward hundreds of times to get me to the point now where like, I don't really think about it much. Every now and then, yeah, 100% there's an awkward situation, but it's like, I've got confidence about it that I know it's, everything's gonna be all right and stuff. You have to go through the trials and tribulations. You have to go through hundreds of creepy moments. If you get scared by that, if you get off put by that and you're like, oh no, well, I'm not gonna do this then, then you'll never improve. I'm telling you right now, the guy who who's that social butterfly, who's, you know, really, really good with people has been rejected and felt awkward hundreds of times. It's just like muscle soreness. The guy who's massive in the gym, who's, you know, got the physique that you want. He's felt muscle soreness hundreds of times. You can't escape the muscle soreness. Like you shouldn't be running away from it. You shouldn't be getting the muscle soreness and be like, oh no, like this isn't what I wanted. Like that is the signal that you're doing the right thing. So you probably already knew that smiling and looking friendly is really, really important for social skills. But you're just not sure on how to smile properly to give a smile that doesn't feel creepy or weird. So right now, when you're reminded of this advice to smile, you're probably thinking, oh, uh, uh, smile. Uh, and then you remember, oh yeah, uh, smile with your eyes. It just feels weird and authentic because you don't really feel like smiling. It was just like a random reminder of, oh yeah, those YouTube videos told me to smile. And that was the important word right there, feel. To smile properly, you don't want to fake like the, the physical world, the real world, you know, the smile, the muscle and stuff. That's not what we focus on to smile. To smile, we focus on the feeling, like the psychological thought in our head, not the muscles on our face. Smiling is just a symptom of how you're feeling. So don't focus on smiling, just focus on being happy and being cheerful. Dale Carnegie quoted William James in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And William James said, the path to cheerfulness, if you are not currently cheerful, is to simply just act cheerful. So it means that you can literally just turn on the emotions. Imagine we have like emotions in a 
tap, you can choose which emotion to turn on. Within five seconds from now, I could genuinely get angry because I just remember something that I was angry about. And you could do the same thing. If right now you remember something that makes you happy, you'll start to smile. If you visualize something that would make you happy, maybe it's not even a memory, maybe it's just like a future visualization, you'll start to smile. Whatever we think our body responds to. And the way that I, I always tell every guy that this is the truth, that whatever we think in our mind, our body responds to. What happens when you think a sexy thought? You get an erection. Because even if you don't do anything, your body responds to whatever your mind thinks about. So if we have a visualization of something that makes us happy, our body will respond and we'll start smiling. So to smile properly, literally just visualize yourself being happy. See yourself with like a great big, like teethy kind of smile, which you're not holding back for any kind of insecurity. You've got like the wrinkles around your eyes. See that in your mind. See the situation that you're in. Like, why are you smiling so much? Who are you next to? What was the joke or something? The more you focus on that, the more you'll just start to like burst into a massive smile in the real world. You can also use just simple reminders. So reminders are just kind of like affirmations. So sometimes because we're quite busy in our modern day and we don't really like focus on, oh yeah, I should, I should be really cheerful right now. I'll go through the day and I'll just kind of remember a short sentence which I've tried to ingrain into my mind. So there's a couple that I have and one of them is just simply be cheerful. As soon as that somewhat just pops into my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, like I, I could be more cheerful right now. And it just instantly reminds me that I can control my emotions and I would rather be cheerful than just be sat here just like mindlessly daydreaming. So you've just learned that you can induce a genuine proper smile through focusing on the feeling instead of the actual muscles on your face. And that you can remind yourself to be cheerful or you can visualize yourself being happy to have that perfect friendly smile. We make our first impressions of each other within just a few seconds. And in those few seconds, they don't know your personality or do they? Hi, Michael Vsauce here. <laughs> your body language conveys a lot more than you think, like a lot more. And you can go out and test this. Go out and people watch, maybe sit in a cafe or just go on a walk. At a glance, within literally one second, you could probably start to build a pretty accurate picture of someone just by the way that they're shaped and just by the way that they move their body. In the previous lesson on smiling, we established that whatever we think in our mind, our body reacts to. And the thing is, whatever we think in our mind generally does end up shaping our entire lives. So if we think in our mind that we are not confidence, that we are shy, that we are reserved, that we get bullied. We're going to start looking like that and then flip it around. Imagine a guy who thinks that he's really confident and like he can hold eye contact with people and he feels like he's strong. He feels like he can defend himself. He's going to be sitting up straight, almost like in a biological evolutionary sense, he'd be like almost open for an attack because he's so confident with himself. And so you can see how these like different emotions and these different thoughts that we keep in our mind dictate what our body looks like. So you could go out and instantly you'd be able to see, oh, this woman looks really friendly. This guy is angry. This guy is really, really happy. That's because your body language is like a symptom of your entire life's experiences. So young guys, probably like you, have come onto YouTube and started searching for like how to get alpha male body language, how to improve your body language. It doesn't work like that. You can improve your posture, you know, through stretching and yoga and we will discuss that. But body language, not exactly. Your body language is a symptom of the rest of your life. You can't just come onto YouTube and search for alpha male body language. The reason why I suggest not to do that, to just, you know, come onto YouTube. Alpha male body language, oh yeah, yeah, take up lots of space because... Because it's not authentic. It isn't like the automatic body language that you'll have. So you can purposely remember it and manually alter your body language to, you know, sit up straight and, and shoulders back and like, you know, take up space and talk with your hands and stuff. But you'll forget when you're in a mindless state, which we are in very, very often, you'll forget and you'll go back to your normal body language, which probably isn't the same level of like, you know, confidence and alpha male and stuff. You're going to be showing people two different sides of you. Let's say you go on a date and you're proper like confident and everything. And then she goes to the toilet or maybe you go to the toilet, you kind of forget about body language. But then she sees you like just kind of like, 
like hunched over and this is your normal one. And then when you speak to her again, you're like, oh yeah, 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 uh, uh, take lots of space. This inauthenticity is very unattractive to people. If people can't consciously tell that you're altering your body language, but it's like we subconsciously know because it's the smallest things. You could sit here with perfect body language, but it's fake. I'd be able to tell if you were faking it because you'd look away too soon. Your eyes wouldn't be glued to mine. When I'd ask you a personal question, you'd be like, oh, um, you know, and, and, and something like this. When you talk to me, you'll look, your eyes will dart away. You'll look at my muscles or some bullshit because you aren't at that confident place yet. It's better to have the authentic body language of where you currently are than to fake it somewhere else. Now, that being said, we still want to improve our posture just for like general health. So instead of taking the shortcut of just altering your body language, you have to change and hopefully improve the rest of your life. So this is the unsexy answer. And this is how you know that I'm telling you the truth because if I really wanted to get lots of views, I'd just tell you, oh yeah, do, you do this thing. Like, uh, uh, you know, spread your, your wings out like this or something. But the truth is you will get the nice confident body language when the rest of your life has resulted in that. If right now you are like a shy guy, you're not getting good grades in school, you're not really doing anything productive, you're not proud of your body, you're not proud of anything that you're doing, and you know, maybe your parents are being mean to you, maybe your friends are being mean to you, it's gonna reflect in your body language. But the more and more that you stick on holistic self-improvement, so self-improvement is, you know, like self-help, like we're trying to like, you know, be productive and everything. And then my version of that is holistic self-improvement. And that's where we try to improve every pillar of life at the same time. So instead of just trying to be productive and making money, we do that in a linear fashion to also improve in our mental health and our social skills and our relationship and our, our childhood trauma and, and fitness and everything. And as you keep achieving all these goals in all of these different areas, you will start to get more confidence. After a while, especially with fitness and mental health, those are the two big ones, you'll begin to almost subconsciously feel like you deserve to take up more space. That will be authentic and that will be attractive. So if you're watching this Skillshare class and you also probably watch my YouTube channel, just continue on the same path, keep meditating every day, journaling, being introspective, try to heal childhood trauma, improve your mental health, go and exercise and challenge yourself, get into like the David Goggins military sort of disciplined mindset that's going to make you proud of yourself. Now let's talk about posture because that's a very important part of body language. So body language is kind of like how we communicate through our bodies instead of our mouths. So some people have like very verbal and they'll talk with their hands, some people talk with like their entire body, they'll face you and everything. This is how we communicate. Now posture is just kind of like the normal shape of your body. The unfortunate thing is that you and I and almost everyone else have really messed up our posture with the modern activities that we do, that we sit down on these chairs all day. I'd like to think that I've taken a step back from like technology, I've taken a dopamine detox and everything and you know, I try and I don't spend time watching like Netflix or movies or video games. I've done zero of that in like the last like almost two years. Still, I can see that my posture isn't perfect. I can see that sometimes I have like a forward neck thing and everything and any hindrance to your posture will just make you look less attractive and less confident. Because if you've spent years sat at a desk or of the day. You're clearly not going to have the posture of like a strong warrior or a leader. You're going to have tech neck, like the forward head posture, hunched shoulders, hunched back, forward shoulders. To improve your posture at the very least, just implement Jordan Peterson's simple advice. Stand up straight with your shoulders back. You can also get into the habit of consistently stretching and that will improve your posture. And we'll go through one vital, like easiest stretch that you can do anywhere when you're on the computer or whatever you're doing. And I think it's one of the most important stretches we can do. Set aside some time every day, maybe right before bed and maybe as soon as you wake up. Just literally just go onto YouTube and just search for like five minute stretch routine, 10 minute stretch, 20 minute stretch. And if you can do that every single day, you will find yourself getting like looser and looser with better posture. Now that's the free version, which you can just start immediately. If you have the means to do so, I highly recommend that you go and start a yoga class. At the very least, do those YouTube stretches, but maybe join the yoga class too. So let's do one essential stretch together. And this is gonna be one of the most important stretches to improve your posture if you are someone who spends a lot of time on like the computer or the phone. So as I've said a few times in this video, 
a lot of us have this like forward neck posture you probably find yourself that your neck isn't rested against like the headrest right now because when we're using these screens your neck automatically comes out because of like the rest of your posture kind of fucks up so your neck has to stick out so you can still see the screen and it just makes you look a lot less confident and attractive the simple stretch to reverse this forward neck posture is literally just to give yourself a double chin and you can use your fingers i like to use my fingers just to kind of guide it i don't actually press but like just when you do that you'll feel tension all around the neck and it's, it's all like loosening up and strengthening it looks kind of silly but just doing about 50 of these a day just throughout your day do like you know hard and like really feel the squeeze when you're on the computer maybe your, your youtube videos loading because you've got some shitty internet or something just do some throughout the day and honestly within a few days you'll walk into a room and just like you'll see a mirror on your side like a bathroom and you will actually notice the difference in the previous video we just talked about what to do for your body language and your posture but now let's talk about their body language the chances are that the other person that you're currently talking to isn't watching a social skills masterclass on body language right now so most likely they are displaying their authentic body language and that's awesome to us because we can essentially see how they are responding to us there's two types of body language that we want to know there's open and closed open body language is what you want to see from the people that you talk to and it quite literally just means that the body begins to open up as they feel more comfortable and connected to you they'll open up their arms tilt their head up they'll expose their neck which is a very primal evolutionary sort of response to friends we'll expose it because we have this belief that you're not gonna like cut my throat or something which is quite interesting because what do we do when like we don't know someone we'll actually begin to bring our neck down with this open body language their entire body will begin to face you and one of the important parts that which i personally focus on is that their feet will point towards you think right now about the most open body language that someone could have it'd literally be like a starfish right it just looks like they're going in for like a big hug because that's so warm and welcoming. And then for closed body language, it's the exact opposite. They'll begin to cross their arms and lower their neck and their legs will like maybe cross as well. Their feet will point away from you. Their entire body looks defensive and closed off and faced away from you. You can choose which part of the open and closed body language that you kind of want to remember to know which position they're in. Once you can start picking up on people's body language and you can figure out if they're showing open body language or closed body language, it's very easy for you to, to be socially calibrated when you go up and speak to someone. In Instantly, they're probably gonna have closed body language because you're a complete stranger but after a few seconds of talking if you see them really really open up like that's a fantastic indicator and you'll feel so like warm and welcome but sometimes even I I'll go up to someone most people's body language is closed when you first go and speak to them but it will stay closed for most of like our conversation of like 10-15 seconds and then I'll just end it I'll be like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah have a good day because I, I can just tell that this person isn't so interested and they're a bit defensive right now. They're not used to someone just coming up to speak to them. And honestly, for me, I literally just look at their feet. It's the easiest way to find out if someone is receptive to you or not. If their feet point towards you, both feet, then they are interested in this conversation and they want to stay here and talk to you. If one foot is away from you, but one foot is on you, then it usually is like still a pretty good sign. They're giving you like the time of the day. If both feet are literally just pointed away from you, pointed towards the exit or something, they're just usually not interested. It's also really Really nice to see this in group settings to see how people's foot structure is and you'll always be able to see who like the most important person of the group is because everyone will have at least one foot pointed towards that person if you're ever in like maybe a group of like two three guys and you're finding that like they're facing each other they're both of their feet are together 
you essentially could slip away and it's very important which we'll discuss soon of having social intelligence to know where you actually are welcomed and accepted because personally if i'm in one of these situations and i notice like i'll go up to speak to like two guys or something in the gym and i'll notice like both their feet are looking at each other they're kind of having a conversation with each other but i'm kind of there too then i'll just kind of be like oh yeah like boys i'll go, I'll go do my workout boom instead of me just awkwardly sat there like trying to interfere with the conversation trying to like you know hopefully make friends or something it's a very quick way of finding out if someone is receptive now it's important to know that this open and closed body language isn't going to be 100 perfect so you can make mistakes on it because it isn't a completely valid topic because for example someone could have closed body language because they're cold a lot of girls who i know for a fact are open to me and like you know are friendly to me and maybe the girls i've dated before they'll still sometimes have like this closed body language because it's just kind of like what's comfortable for them so a lot of girls like just end up crossing their legs not because they're closed off to like the environment just because that's how they literally stand sometimes like I, I do find that it's literally more comfortable to cross my arm sometimes when I'm using my phone I like crossing one arm underneath the this one like this so that I can have my hand like a little bit higher so I don't have to like you know look downwards and this is kind of like a semi-closed position right now so you can't trust this like you know the body language analysis type of stuff that you see on YouTube because in the real world it isn't as accurate the one thing I would say is just to simplify it. Within a second, just decide whether this person is open or close to you. Are they, you know, currently like this? Are they like continuously walking off? Are they pointing the feet away? Or are they like really receptive? They're facing directly towards you. You should be able to tell within one second. You, we don't want your eyes to be like scanning across and seeing like, wait, her, 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 her left middle finger is like this. So that means that she's like 73% open or something. We don't want you to just get weird about it. Just within a second, you should just conclude in your mind, this person is open, this person is closed. If they're open, proceed with a lot of the advice that we're going to go with if they're closed probably just maybe see how it goes but like honestly if someone seems close to me like i just end the conversation right there i'll just maybe give them a fist bump and i'll walk off because i don't personally want to speak to someone who also doesn't want to speak to me Mwah. Eye contact is another fundamental social skill and unfortunately it's something that a lot of guys struggle with, especially with girls. If there's just one improvement that you focus on from this class, which is going to increase your chances of attracting a girl or even a friend, it's eye contact. Eye contact is literally just you looking into their eyes as they look at yours. It's simple but it actually feels quite challenging and it's quite difficult sometimes. It's because we're so self-centered. Why we don't look into someone's eyes and why we glance around the room whilst we talk and you know we, we do this type of stuff and we, we don't look at someone when they're talking we look away or something. It's because we're just overthinking about ourselves. It feels strangely comfortable and also strangely right. Like did you just see then I, I looked away there. It feels strangely correct to do that when you're talking and when you're listening to someone because it just feels like it has this sense of comfort to break eye contact and just kind of like drift off as you kind of like you know pretend to think about something you need to right now understand that you can look into someone's eyes and also spend some time thinking about what to say so if i was talking to you right now and i'm holding eye contact with you like i'm looking right into my camera lens there'd be times in still i'm, I'm completely going to be honest i need to improve this as well that i'll be speaking to someone and when i'm kind of like thinking of what to say i'll drift off like this that's like an unattractive now, of course, you don't need to be like, you know, fully staring at someone, but I would say that pretty much all of us need way more eye contact than we need less. So don't worry about like too much eye contact. Don't worry about like staring or anything. As long as you're following the rest of the principles here and you, you know, they've got an open body language, you've got an open body language, you're smiling authentically, then just being focused on their eyes and almost being stuck to it, like, like sticky toffee, just like gluing it around when you're talking, when they're talking is so much better. Like this is total presence. Now you can take the general advice that you've probably seen which is oh yeah eye contact's important look into their eyes the thing is if it was that easy of looking into their eyes 
we would have done it. Just like a lot of the things we're discussing here, eye contact is a symptom of something else. And us guys who are like slightly socially weird, we're trying to like cheat the thing of saying, oh yeah, eye contact is important, like stare into their eyes. But we never seem to make like a huge improvement because of that, because it's not eye contact to focus on. Eye contact is a symptom of being interested in the other person. And specifically, this word's gonna be weird and I, I'm not a very spiritual person, but it's being interested in the other person's soul. Put your thoughts onto them. Use your empathy and feel how they feel. Like, who is this person? What is their story? What are they going through? How do they feel right now? When you're speaking to someone, when you're looking at someone, your entire focus should be on them and their story. You want to like gaze through their eyes to like understand who this person is and how they feel. Like if you have this great eye contact and not like, you know, the manual eye contact where you're just like looking at someone, the eye contact where you're trying to discover who this person is, you'll begin to just come up with pretty accurate conclusions just by like looking into them. So eye contact is all about ditching the constant self-analysis and taking an interest in the other person. And this is really important. Eye contact is so fundamental, but so many guys struggle with it because so many guys think eye contact is just the physical like muscle. It's just like the eyeball, just make your eyeballs glued to her. It's the same thing with smiling. So many people think smiling is just like smiling with your mouth and your teeth and your, your eyes. That's not what it is. Think of almost everything we're doing here as a symptom of like the underlying reason, like the purpose of why we do those things. You never thought eye contact was so important because of like the fact that our eyeballs just look at each other. Eye contact seems important because it's a level of connection that we have with each other. But that connection isn't just in the physical realm of just eyeballs looking and staring. Like people can tell when you're doing that, bro. People can tell when you're literally thinking I, I, eye contact. Uh, Hamza said eye contact. It's not eye contact you should be thinking about. It's taking an interest in this other person and being so like curious about who this person is. And the way to find out is literally just like look into their eyes. It's not eye contact. It's a level of discovery. There is something special about real genuine eye contact you get this feeling of like revitalization of, of feeling like you exist when someone looks into you not just when someone you know glances past you and like they're thinking eye contact or something but when someone literally makes you feel alive through their eyes they make you feel like understood and acknowledged and that's the gift that you can give to someone else so what exactly should you do to improve your eye contact we've already established that eye contact is not just the physical don't just think about you know gluing your eyes to them instead of focusing on the physical of them like the, I don't know if it's the eyeball or muscle, like I don't even know, but like, you know, the organ of the eyeball just moving towards them. Think specifically about acknowledging their existence, that this is a real person in front of you who's had their entire life story before you. They've had traumas and heartbreaks. That's what you want to have empathy for. Have an interest in that and anyone who has an interest in you will hold your eye contact back. And try not to be upset when someone doesn't hold eye contact back. Like it feels awesome when someone does make us feel acknowledged and understood. But a lot of people are in that modern day days where, you know, we're, we're sat here trying to like you know nourish their soul through eye contact and that person's thinking about their to-do list and what they're going to eat later and how they're going to hit their macronutrients for the day so try not to be upset if someone doesn't actually hold your eye contact so you've just learned that eye contact is way bigger than just looking into each other's eyeballs eye contact is about looking into each other's souls and personality and life story and the best way to hold eye contact is to generate thoughts about them instead of yourself. Let's talk about basic conversations. And these are mostly overlooked by people because we all wanna get into the deeper conversations, but basic conversations actually have a lot of value. So what are basic conversations? They're surface level, quick, and they're usually just an introduction to each other. And how do you get into more basic conversations? Well, it's the last two videos of this class. You simply have to go out there and approach more people and overcome the fear of rejection. The first conversation that you have with someone, and you know that it's gonna be like a short, basic conversation. Maybe it's gonna be with someone you 
approach, or maybe it's going to be with a store attendant or a waitress. Follow the three F's of the basic conversation. Funny, friendly, fast. Being funny doesn't mean that you have to be a clown or that you have to crack a lot of jokes. It just means that you have a humorous personality, that the attitude that you convey, that you also bring into this basic conversation is one that's lighthearted. And you can slightly like roast each other. Maybe you can roast yourself. And if you feel like you're not a funny guy, one of the best tips you can get is watch stand-up comedy, but don't copy their jokes. Just copy the delivery, copy the way that they speak, copy the way that they actually tell the joke. My favorite way of bringing my funny personality into a basic conversation is just to roast the other person in a way that isn't insulting, in a way that is so obviously not true. For example, if you meet like a strong guy in the gym, you can roast him and say like, oh yeah, go grab those four kilogram dumbbells for your chest press today, bro. The second F of a basic conversation is friendly. Now, even if you're gonna roast, make sure that you don't insult the other person, don't offend the other person. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to walk on eggshells. The best case scenario is for me to act 100% authentic because then they'll like the real me. And so the authentic version of me does roast people, but not in a way that generally insults them. To be more friendly, make sure you smile, make sure you hold eye contact. You've got to see in your mind that this person in front of you is a friend, he's a member of your tribe. You don't need to look all serious or look like an alpha male or try to mug this with the person. You don't need to think that this person is in competition with you. They probably are in the grand scheme of things of the sexual marketplace and everything, but Generally, you don't want to have that mindset when you go up to try and make a friend because you want this person to feel like you're on the same side. And the final F and probably the most important for the basic conversation is to make it fast. I think young men who aren't so socially calibrated miss this one out so completely, so pay attention. These basic conversations that you have with a random stranger have to be fast. And the most important thing with this is that you have to be the one who leaves first. The interaction goes so much more in your favor if you leave specifically after the high. So most young men who aren't clued up in social situations will go into the conversation, they'll do the right thing by approaching and not fearing rejection, they'll go speak to the person, and then they'll pretty much stay up until the conversation dies out and it's a little bit awkward up until the other person leaves. The best time to leave is just after the height of the conversation when you've cracked like a really funny joke and everyone's having a good time. When you leave the interaction at that point, all they've seen is the best of you, the most positive sides of you. You haven't stayed up until it's gotten awkward and the conversation's died out. They've literally just seen like the funniest part of you and they're literally thinking so positively of you and then you leave. That makes your time and attention scarce and anything scarce is generally seen as valuable. You don't want to be seen as the guy who's just always there all the time, who's ready for a long chat. And now 100%, we're going to get into the deeper conversations. But generally for most people, for most initial interactions, for most basic conversations, you want it to be fast. Literally just a minute or two max sometimes just seconds. Don't stress out about that too much right now because you need some practice, you need some experience out in the real world to really be socially calibrated to know how long this initial conversation should last. And finally, if you're wondering what literally to talk about in these basic conversations, they are entirely about the right here and the right now. So what is happening around you right now? So, oh, we're in the gym, what workout are you doing? I'm doing this workout. We're waiting in line for the store. Oh, did you buy those, those cookies? Because I don't like those ones. Whatever is happening right here, right now. And you can tell with these short, right here, right now interactions, they could literally last just seconds up until that specific conversation topic has died out and that's completely fine. So basic conversations are nice and it's very worthwhile to just take some time and almost visualize the next basic conversation that you could have with someone that you consistently see. So maybe it's a shopkeeper or someone in the gym or someone that you always walk past. A 10 to 60 second conversation, which is now gonna be funny, friendly and fast. Basic conversations are nice, but let's try and level it up to be deeper in the next video.
Deeper conversations are meaningful, personal, and they last longer. How do you get into more deeper conversations? First, you have to get into more basic conversations. So it's almost like a funnel. We first start approaching, we get into more basic conversations, and some of these basic conversations will naturally enter a deeper conversation when things like the logistics line up, as well as your personality connecting with the other persons. The best deeper conversations follow the three Ps. Personal, private, presence. For personal, the conversation has to start getting deeper. You have to start asking personal questions. You both open up something that you wouldn't tell just anyone. So when the vibe seems right, when they seem really receptive to you, when they don't seem like they're in a rush, you're both holding really good eye contact, you're stood kind of close to each other. That's when you can start to level up the questions and the conversational topics until eventually you're asking something that's pretty personal. You'll find in these opportunities, the other person usually mentions something that you can then ask about. So for example, you're having a basic conversation in the gym, you've just ask them what they're training today they've said legs they've said oh yeah the training's getting better now you ask them like oh what was it like previously and they say oh yeah it was kind of bad because their mental health wasn't so great well there you go they've literally just gave you the opportunity to level up the conversation and ask them a personal question how's your mental health now what was up with your mental health previously the second p of a great deeper conversation is private you'll get much deeper with someone if it's just the two of you especially if you can get like a radius like some free space around you of silence but also being private away from other people this encourages the other person and also yourself to open up even further. Most people feel much more comfortable opening up and getting personal when they're not surrounded by others who can hear their personal stories. Sometimes you can get the other person to move a little bit more private with you and perhaps that's something to think about when you're a little bit more socially calibrated. Until then, sometimes it's just luck. Sometimes you'll just end up speaking to someone and before you know it, there's no one else around you and you guys can get like really deep in your conversation. The third P of the best deeper conversations is presence and presence is kind of like giving your full focus to someone. Someone. That's when your eyes aren't darting around, you're looking at just them and you're focused on them. So here's an example of bad presence that I conveyed. My friend Nabil came down from Canada to meet me in Manchester in the UK and we were sat in a bar and just being completely honest, this was one of the first times that I had gotten out of like my self-improvement, you know, like routine and everything. I hadn't, I hadn't been out into like the bar club scene for a long, long time. And so it was the first time that I was sat there and I was literally surrounded by like women who were like dancing and drinking and everything. So whilst I was trying to pay attention to my friend, he must have noticed that my eyes were just like darting around just looking at ass and whilst we can find this funny and we're you know we're still really good friends the issue is that it makes someone feel not so important and you don't want to convey that when you're trying to get into a deeper conversation it was only because me and my friend Nabil had like a really good connection really good friendship lots of like similarities between us and the night went on to be very 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 good between us that we still became very good friends otherwise this initial thing could have actually ruined a very beautiful friendship that would have come another example of low presence is in the gym that I go to. There was a girl who I trained with, we did a leg day together, and there was a bunch of moments when we were speaking, and I was kind of multitasking the conversation whilst, you know, like putting the weights away and everything. And of course, in the gym, like you've got to do that stuff, you've got to put the weights on and put the weights off. But I could certainly feel that we were in somewhat of a deep conversation, but it just kept on getting ruined by the fact that I was distracted and I was focused on something else. So it's just something to bear in mind. Sometimes you do have to be distracted in a sense to do the thing that you're in the environment for. But really depends on what you value because the best case scenario in a deep conversation is that it's just you and them sat together looking each other in the eyes and just giving each other total presence. Great presence comes when you're entirely focused on the other person and you can build up a great level of presence through two things. One is long-term meditation. Meditation literally just increases the ability to stay present. It's a very beautiful thing. I'm not going to preach meditation here because I've spoke about it a bunch on my YouTube channel. I've linked my YouTube channel below as well in cases you've literally found me on, on Skillshare. But meditation 
meditation is something that every single person should be doing. Now, the second thing that you can do is simply just set the intention to be more present. If you literally just say the words into your mind before the interaction, I want to be very present for this interaction. You'll increase your presence by at least twice as much. And now if you're wondering what literally to talk about in a deeper conversation, we really, really want to get deep and personal. Let's talk about our ambitions, our goals, our fears, our trauma, mental health, family, friends, opinions, mistakes. Deep conversations don't have to be positive all the time. They can be serious. They can be quite heartbreaking to talk about. And whilst that might seem a little bit negative, trust me when I say, if someone cries in the conversation with you, like they've really opened up something that they haven't said with anyone else, they're going to remember that conversation. Of course, you know, we still want to make them feel good. We want to make them feel appreciated and everything. But oftentimes we, we live very lonely lives these days. A lot of us are facing pretty much all of us are facing quite a lot of problems that we just deal with in solitude because no one is really listening to us. When you get into a deep conversation and the other person feels like they're listened to and that they can open up to you and that they can explore the depths of their mind with you, it's addictive. They'll want to come back and speak to you again. If you do get into a somewhat negative conversational topic, which is still valuable, but of course makes the other person feel bad, make sure you do it with the angle of uplifting them. So explore the negative thing, let them speak, be a great listener, but then always try and end the conversation on a positive high note, which is like you kind of remind them like, oh, look how far you've come after you've experienced that adversity. So start the basic conversation in a positive, lighthearted way, enter the deeper conversation, which may be negative, it may be quite traumatic, it may be like serious, but then make sure to end in a positive way as well. Being afraid of rejection is totally normal. Rejection can feel physically and mentally painful for us. We haven't evolved that much over the last few thousand years. We are still animals at heart. And when an animal is rejected from the tribe, something really, really spikes up in its brain to tell it, okay, act right because now we're in a dangerous situation. You watching this have probably experienced rejection before, whether that's from a friendship group or maybe even a bigger social group or maybe specifically from a girl that you went up to speak to. And there's two things that hurts with that. One of them is simply that those people rejected us and they didn't want to be with us. But the second is almost our social status. We don't want other people to see us get rejected. But whilst we fear rejection, what we really should be afraid of is regret and loneliness. Regret and loneliness are way, way more painful than rejection especially if you can have a good mindset. It's the young men who have a bad mindset who really get hurt by rejection because they get rejected and then they start thinking negatively about themselves. They get rejected once, let's say, by a girl when they go and approach and then they never go and speak to more girls. They're always scared of them because, you know, it's, it's embarrassing. They have one bad experience with a friendship group and then they stay inside because all people must be bad. We must have a positive mindset going forward. We must think to ourselves, if this person rejects me, it simply means that we're just not compatible. Okay, good move on to the next person who you may be compatible with. Even if the odds are against you and let's say you have a 1% chance to meet someone who you really connect with, go and speak to 100 people and although it hurts to go through 99 rejections, the one really good friend that you make from this makes it worthwhile. And in my personal experience as well as what I've seen from other men, through all of the years that you actively go out there trying to improve your social skills, you'll never really get that many bad rejections. The worst rejections you get are usually from the people that you're already friends with before you go on this pursuit of improving your social skills and your self-improvements. When you simply go up to someone in a nice friendly way, whether it's online or in person, you go to speak to a guy that you might want to be friends with, you'll almost never come across someone who's totally rude. The overwhelming majority of people that I speak to, men and women, are nothing but positive and they're nothing but happy and excited when I go and speak to them. It's like your mind will play tricks, your mind will play mental movies of you awkwardly being stood there and the girl not giving you her number or the guy looking at you weird. It never happens like that. At worst, 
if there is a sense of awkwardness, it isn't about you, it's just about the situation because we're all so addicted to our phones these days that it's kind of weird for someone to, you know, make an advance on someone else. We can't let this fear of rejection stop you from going out there and actually trying to make new friends and make new relationships because then you're just missing out on the best part of life. Start to see rejection kind of like the muscle soreness that we get from the gym. If you fear the muscle soreness from the gym, you probably won't grow. But the beautiful thing is that after a while, you start to crave that soreness because it kind of shows, okay, like I'm doing the right thing. You know, it's uncomfortable and it's painful, but I know that I'm doing the right thing. And the exact same thing can be said with rejection. Tell me how many times you've been rejected in the last year and I'll be able to accurately guess how many new friends you've made and how many women that you've met. For the overwhelming majority of guys, you'll have to say zero rejections. And so we know for a fact in the last year, They've made zero friends and they've met zero women. Even with this knowledge that you're getting here, the next time that you go out and want to speak to someone, your brain will still try to stop you because of this fear of rejection. Since our brain hasn't updated that much from our tribal lifestyle, it still thinks that rejection is incredibly unsafe because rejection 500, 1000 years ago would probably have meant solitude and death. Rejection is safe now. So you will experience a big mental roadblock before you go out there and approach someone, before you go out there and make the first move, overcome that roadblock. It's not as serious as it seems. I'll often get nostalgia and I reminisce about my times in high school because whilst I didn't have really great friends inside of high school, I was literally one of those kids that would like speed walk or sometimes even run. You know, if there was like no one watching, I'd literally run home so I could get home faster, log onto my computer, open up Minecraft, open up Skype. And I used to have like a very consistent group of friends. So we'd always have like a call going like every single time because they were all in like Sweden and Kuwait. Our time zones were somewhat similar. And so we'd always be on at the same time straight after I would finish school. We would play Play on the Minecraft Hunger Games servers. Remember the movie, The Hunger Games? So there was like servers based on that where like you start off with no items and you're supposed to kill each other and you've got to like build up and all this stuff. And it's like probably competitive and it's scary because you've been in the same game for like 20 minutes like trying to get items and you just hear someone behind you. And so we'd be teaming up and just like dropping all the kids on it. And we spoke pretty much every single day for more than a year. I used to believe that like the online friends that you make aren't real friends. Like, you know, those cringy posts that like gamers would make in the post to like Reddit or Instagram or Twitter or something. It's like, oh yeah, like my gamer friends are real friends. I'd always cringe at it. But when I look back now, there is truth to that. The best case scenario is of course to make friends in real life, but making friends online actually has such huge hidden advantages, especially if you're a grown up who has your own money and you have the potential to meet people all around the world. And so there's two friends that I want to talk about about this Sam and Nabil. Sam actually came to me as my first video editor for YouTube and it was supposed to be just like a work relationship. As we speak more and more about the videos that we're making and we become friends, we become like very, very, very good friends. At one point we're literally just going on video calls every single day for like hours just like chatting shit to each other. And so I met Sam for the first time in a rave in Birmingham. So he lives about a hundred miles away from me and I traveled down, we had a sick time and then I went down again for New Year's. And even though I've only seen him twice, he is literally like a brother to me. It's remarkable to see like how much progress he's made and as much as you know 100% all credit to him he's the one who put in the hard work I also feel like a sense of pride for that because I can see that he got into self-improvement mainly just because he was editing my videos on self-improvement and he kind of like followed in the footsteps that I outlined in my videos so I've seen like this young man's life transformed by our relationship online and we've set more and more plans to just keep meeting in person and then my friend Nabil is from Canada and he was a total stranger like I literally had never spoke to him before he just sent me a random message on reddit like reddit of all places just saying like oh my god you know I 
stories are similar and like he wants to speak to me and everything and so we did like a little call together I didn't really think much of it but then we spoke more and more then we kept on doing more calls and we got into like deep conversations straight away where we're talking about like ex-girlfriends and that we wanted to travel we wanted to be digital nomads and so of course friendship leveled up and then Nabil travels all around the world and he comes to the UK and then I meet him in Manchester we have a really good night and we're speaking to like a bunch of girls you know it's a lot of like memorable experiences and then I've seen Nabil after that like two more times where he's traveled specifically to come see me and again it's like a new brother that I have what started with just internet relationships turned into guys who are officially in my inner circle that's incredibly valuable because here's the advantage of making friends online in real life the communities that you can go for example in the gym there is a broad range of people in the gym the 37 year old father the 19 year old Instagram model there's the 24 year old entrepreneur there's the 50 year old woman even though we all share the hobby the habit of going to the gym we're all quite different but online you can find micro communities where instead of just the community being the gym you can find a community which is for like aesthetic bodybuilding because you want to look good and you want to attract girls and you find like-minded guys and for example with my youtube channel and the discord server that i've made and so many people have made good friends from there because i've packaged this community to be almost like a lifestyle and so everyone in the discord server and everyone in my community pretty much has the same interest we all want to improve ourselves we're all into meditation reading gratitude journaling going to the gym building an aesthetic body wanting to be more confident wanting to establish a brotherhood of friends and so if there's two random people in my discord server chances are that they're actually very very similar because they've been able to relate to me in the videos that i make so how do you actually go about making friends online first start with being as authentic as possible i know this sounds like wishy-washy advice but just trust me be as authentic as possible exactly what is your interest take some time to think about this and journal this if you got to be totally honest what are you interested in what kind of people do you want to be surrounded by for me for example i'll say young guys who are building their body and they want to like look aesthetic young entrepreneurs and influencers guys who are into learning about mental health and social skills and leadership next find spaces where these communities thrive so for example you can go onto reddit.com and they've got subreddits kind of like specific forums for every interest that you could possibly imagine so you can find the subreddits for the specific thing that you're interested in which could be like entrepreneurship or you can then go onto youtube channels and then follow a certain youtuber and usually they start their own communities join those communities and then make yourself known show your personality don't be like a vague person who's not really speaking who's lurking in the shadows be that guy who's posting all the time who's so specific with the stuff he's talking about and he's relatable and he's telling stories what's really nice about this is that usually in these communities you don't even have to go through the basic conversations because you all share the same interest usually you can join a community and almost straight away get into a deep conversation with someone there but remember the three p's of a deep conversation one of them was private to really level it up and actually to get like a close friend you need to speak to someone in this community and then move it into private so you add them as a friend on the platform that you're on and you start speaking to them directly and then maybe you'll want to organize like a video call between you guys and that is so important that's really the cornerstone of making friends online is getting into video calls one-to-one -one video calls with the people who have the same interest as you just as we said in the video about how to make friends in school we were saying okay just get 100 approaches get into basic conversations then get into deep conversations online what we want to do because we're not necessarily approaching is that we want to get as many one-to-one -one video calls with the people that we find interesting let's say that you found someone that you're vibing with and you've sent them the message oh like yeah we should have a call tomorrow at 5 p.m and now you're feeling a bit nervous on the call this is where then you go back to starting the call with the basic conversation and then moving on to the deep conversation principles so start the call and just do the basic like oh you know how are you and everything and almost immediately because you've already built up like a level of rapport with this person you can ask them a deeper question about something that you guys have been speaking about recently like oh yeah did you do that thing that you said you were gonna do or oh bro you know remember i told you that i was gonna go to the gym today but like there was this girl there that i spoke to as soon as you 
speak like this on a video call. You've got to understand that when you do get onto a video call with a completely new person, a stranger, there is going to be like a level of awkwardness and nervousness and excitement. Just feel those emotions, but don't let them dictate your actions. If you and the person that you've just spoke to are really compatible and you have like a fantastic conversation, then you'll probably want to speak again. You've got to be okay with the rejection here. And oftentimes it can feel like you've been rejected online a lot more than it would happen in person because we all have like notifications and messages to go through. So for example, with my friend Nabil, he actually messaged me quite a lot more than I originally messaged him because at the time my YouTube channel was like going up and up and up and I was getting like quite a lot of these like offers to like, you know, be friends with people online and to like message each other and to go on calls with each other. So before our first call, I just kind of grouped him in with like, oh yeah, like, like loads of people want to speak to me. I'm so popular and everything. And it was only once I kept on like, you know, seeing messages from him and he, he messaged me like three, four times. And then that's when like I was able to pay more attention. So if you find yourself in a position where you've sent a message and the other person hasn't responded, don't get disheartened by that. It of course will hurt a bit, but don't allow that to like make you feel bad and make you feel like, oh no, this person doesn't really want to speak to you because the other person could be going through any number of things and they probably aren't specifically sat there thinking like, oh wait, I got a message from this guy. I specifically don't want to reply and I don't like him anymore. It's probably just like the person's busy. His mind is elsewhere. He's got different priorities and that's completely okay. So at this point, you probably have like a couple of guys that you speak to. Make sure you continuously keep joining those micro communities. Make sure you keep on looking out for those places that you fit right in. Join those communities, make yourself known, have a good conversation with someone and then move it into the private one-to-one -one messages. Then book a video call with them. The more that you go through this process, the more good friends that you'll make online. What's next after this stage of having video calls with each other? If you're up to it, you can start to organize meeting up in real life. What I would suggest is that as you're going through this entire process, never have it in your mind that, oh, like I'd never be able to meet this person because of X. Because you could destroy some potential beautiful friendships with that mindset. So if, for example, the other person lives in a different country, there's still a possibility, like flights aren't that expensive. And I know that that seems crazy, but I want you to think, okay, are you going to go on another holiday or traveling for the rest of your life? Of course you are. You're going to go on a holiday at some point in the rest of your life. Would it not be awesome then to go on a holiday specifically to the country and the place that you've got like a good friend who's already there? You can organize your future holidays to go and meet the people that you've really, really connected with here. And also you and everyone else has more opportunities than ever to have this level of freedom because a lot of people's work is moving online. A lot of people have gotten into like making online income and flights and hotels are relatively cheap. Of course, the COVID lockdown slowed all of this. And I think that a lot more people will be traveling very soon. If you're interested in joining a self-improvement community of people who are like me, then I'll link my Discord server below. It has about 50,000 young men who are onto self-improvement, talking about fitness and entrepreneurship, mental health, family, friends, dating, everything that you can imagine that young men are interested in. There's a community linked below that I'm personally welcoming you to join. If you give me a kiss. <laughs> A lot of people are going to disagree with me and they say, okay, you know, don't speak to anyone in, in the gym. Everyone's focused and, you know, you shouldn't approach in the gym. You shouldn't try to make friends in the gym. You certainly shouldn't speak to girls in the gym. I completely disagree. The gym has been the majority of my social life. And hopefully you know me from my YouTube channel enough to know that I am a brutally, brutally honest person. I would tell you if I had bad experiences of trying to be social in the gym, it's only been positive entirely positive. Now, at first, when I actually wrote this script a while ago, the advice I was going to give was that you should only really speak to people who have already seemed kind of warm to you. You've made eye contact, you've smiled, and you've already gotten like a bit of connection between you two. So it's quite easy and frictionless once you've already smiled at someone to just go up to them, fist bump them, and you know, ask them about the workout, whatever, what's their name, whatever, whatever. That being said, there's been a lot of times where I've just walked up to someone who hasn't even like looked at me, and I've just spoke to them, we've ended up becoming friends. One of my best friends right now is named Chris. I went to 
Mexico with the guy. So I met him in the gym like a couple of months ago and we've literally just went on a holiday together. And he wasn't like looking at me before I went to speak to him. He was minding his own business, you know, so focused like everyone says, oh, you know, but they're so focused in the gym. If I ask him right now, he'll say like, yeah, he's completely and utterly happy that I went to speak to him. I disrupted his workout, which I know we're not supposed to do. Everyone's gonna disagree with me and you shouldn't disturb people. But the truth is that when someone is on a rest break, the overwhelming majority of people aren't on their rest break, like so, so determined for the next set or anything. You know, they're fucking around, they're on their phone and stuff, right? If you, if there's one of those gym rats who's like, so, like rocking forward and back waiting for the next set, okay, maybe don't go speak to him. But the majority of people would love to meet a friend in the gym. So with my friend Chris, at the time I had never seen him before and he was on a certain machine that was kind of close to me. I literally just walked up to him and asked him if he could watch my stuff when I went to the toilet. Now, between you and me, and I've told him this as well, but between you and me, I didn't like really, really need to go to the toilet. Like, I, you know, I went and whatever. You, sometimes you can force a piss out and stuff. But like, I literally, I pretty much just like went to the toilet and just like stood there for 10 seconds and then walked back. It was just all, it pretty much was just an excuse to just kind of talk to the guy. That really is the first piece of advice with making friends in the gym. The easiest way, if you do feel a bit shy, the easiest way is to be next to someone with, you know, some stuff over the floor, like a jacket or your water bottle or something, and just ask them, excuse me, do you mind watching my stuff because I'm gonna go to the toilet? And every single person is gonna say, yeah, yeah, no problem. There's been like, I think, not with me personally, but with a friend of mine, there's been one time where the person said no, just because they were like, oh yeah, I've got one set left and I'm, I'm going after this. But generally, you don't need to worry about that. No one's gonna find it weird that you've said, oh yeah, like, you know, my stuff is here. I've got like my weight belt, I've got my jacket or something. Can you just watch it for a few minutes? Not only is this one of the easiest ways to just speak to someone and then you have a reason to come back and speak to them again, but it's actually a weird like psychological hack that when someone does like a favor for you, even if it's a very small favor, they automatically like you more. People will like you more if they've done a favor for you because something clicks in their mind. Like, oh yeah, like if I've done a favor for this guy, like I must like him to an extent. So after standing awkwardly in the toilet for like 10 seconds, just like, just wait in time. I came back up, spoke to the guy, fist bumped him. I noticed that he was wearing a nose strip which is like a, a thing for like breathing. And I used to wear them as well. So I asked him about it and he's like, oh yeah, like he, he's getting nose surgery soon. He's, he doesn't breathe so well. And I'm like, oh yeah, like me too and everything. The nose surgery sounds interesting and everything. Quick 20, maybe 30 second conversation. I grab my stuff, I'm doing my workout. Okay, fair enough. The next day I see him again and he's with a girl this time. And I feel like our interaction was a little bit awkward, but he probably doesn't feel it. But for me personally, I was like zoned in. I was just about to hit squats, like on a, the heavy weight and everything, literally sipping pre-workout. And so whilst he's kind of said something to me, which I didn't hear. So I was like, oh yeah, like a trainer, legs he like something like this right maybe this is just me overthinking it but it wasn't like too serious or anything so i see them too i'm hitting my leg session no problem so i've got like a fancy gym and like we have like a sauna we have like a champagne lounge and everything and he sat there in the champagne lounge and again i'm not gonna lie like i, I took the direction to go there like i wasn't planning to go into this room so i literally just walked in pretending that i was yeah that was my plan i was gonna go sit down in this room and so i, I speak to him i speak to the girl the girl is his sister we have like a tiny conversation as i'm stood up and then i go to sit down and then his his sister says oh no no wait like come sit with us so just straight away, it's like I've been invited to the table. I've been invited next to like they're having dinner and everything. And we have like a very, very good conversation. It's like it lasts quite a long time. And this was like a deeper conversation. So we literally spoke about like our goals, our fitness and everything. How like how much weight that his sister had lost at the time. Then my friend Chris works in a COVID lab that he does testing and everything. They asked me about YouTube and that like we talked about like manifestation and all this. We, we got to a good point in the conversation. Then I said, yeah, yeah, like I'm, I'm going to get going. So it was really nice to meet them. I got them on Instagram and everything. Since that point, I've been training with this guy and I promise you that my gym training has never been this good. I've been training in the gym for seven years, but going with a guy who 
like is so nice to be around and everything but he also trains serious and everything and i've learned so much from him because he did powerlifting and i've never lifted for strength so he's taught me a lot it's such a beautiful experience and all of this started just because i asked a random guy to like look after my stuff whilst i pretended to have a piss in the gym when everyone was telling me like oh no you can't you can't speak to people in the gym you can't disturb people's workouts if i asked him like did i disturb your workout that day i highly doubt he'll say yes but technically like the world would see it as i did right because he was in in the zone apparently and i wouldn't say like he's like a lazy guy who isn't in the zone or anything like that but the overwhelming majority of people would be very happy to speak to someone who's just nice and polite and friendly so don't believe like this average person's mindset which is like oh no the gym is just for focusing like whatever like no one's that focused so this is what you do to make friends in the gym you go to the gym in a friendly mood and you're smiling you're having a good time you're excited for the workout you make eye contact with everyone that you walk past you eye contact you give them like the little white person nod which is just like you do that and anyone who's very receptive to that you smile and if you have the confidence just walk straight up and just speak to them you can go with a handshake a fist bump trust me when i say especially with guys if a guy has looked at you and smiled and nodded at you he would be literally so happy if you went up to him fist bumped him and said oh yeah bro like i see you training here all the time you're, you're pretty jacked and everything i'm trying to convince the younger version of myself who felt like this was too awkward to do now that i've been doing it for a while i can't believe how hesitant i was of this when i used to think oh no no they, they don't want to be disturbed at least in my experience pretty much everyone wants to be disturbed and they wouldn't even see it as being disturbed because everyone wants to make more friends and especially everyone wants to make more friends in the area that they are passionate about it's kind of like a subconscious thing but if you've met in the gym you both instantly know that you have so much to relate to at the very least you've got like this huge hobby which probably is both of your like main things that you guys do that you've got similar in terms of making friends in the gym the most important thing to entirely just focus on is just getting rid of that limiting belief that tells you like no look i, I i'm here to work and everyone else is here to work and no one will want to speak to me and in terms of speaking to women in the gym take a slightly softer approach most of the time if a girl hasn't looked at me and smiled i probably won't go to speak to her i often find that if i walk past a girl she hasn't even like looked at me then it's one of those where it's like i don't really want to be going that far out of my like comfort zone to speak to a girl who hasn't even like acknowledged my existence if a girl looks at me and smiles 100 i'm gonna go speak to her today and you need to start building the same mindset too generally if someone looks at you and smiles bro why not just go up and just see if they're an interesting and friendly person that you'd vibe with and i could list like 10 different conversational starters but i don't think that's so important here because in the gym there's a hundred different things to talk about like oh what exercise is that maybe i should try that exercise and like are you training like it doesn't really matter what you say the biggest thing the one thing to focus on right now like literally forget everything else just focus on this make sure you truly truly believe that it's completely acceptable and encouraged to go speak to people in the gym as soon as you truly believe that you'll find that you'll automatically start doing it and it is honestly like a very beautiful experience to make friends in the gym when you really really love going to the gym and it means so much to you to make friends in that environment just makes you feel so whole and so complete it's what we've wanted all this time it's like we've wanted people to like lift with we've wanted to like enter the gym with that old school arnold schwarzenegger vibe where you walk into the gym and like you know so many people there and you know we might say oh but this is distracting for your workout but it's like bro i want to work out in a gym with 10 people 20 people who know me and who encourage me there's a video clip of me hitting deadlifts with these two girls who i just met and they're like literally cheering me on and encouraging me and my friend is stood there to the side and he's got a girl there next to him as well so there's like four people just watching me hit a pr that's a beautiful experience and quickly the story of that is that we set on 170 kg for the deadlift and i promise you I must have attempted it four, five, six times and didn't even get a single rep, zero reps. I barely got it off the floor, you know, that mental hurdle. Didn't hit it at all. And then something just came about me. I 
went up to the girls who were training next to me and said, yo, excuse me, I'm gonna try and hit PR, can you like encourage me? They're like, yeah, like they, they've probably gotten serious, told my friend and everything, told everyone to hype me up. I hit it for like four reps straight. I couldn't even do it for a single one, I hit it for like four. I don't know, man, I just, I love having friends in the gym, man. Some, some nice stuff, bro. So in the next video, we're gonna try and learn about how to make friends in school. Mwah. It's funny that I'm making this video because in high school I didn't really have many friends and I wasn't great at making them. And if you can relate to that, it's a shame because your experience in school is heavily influenced by the people that you have around you. Now chances are if you're watching this, the major barrier to you making new friends is the fact that most people have already made friends. So it's usually at the start of the school year, which is September in the UK, when everyone will get into their own cliques and their own friendship groups and then people don't really deviate that much and it almost feels like you have this extra friction to make friends when everyone already knows each other. In your mind right now, it might feel socially unacceptable to go up to someone somewhat new, like you kind of know each other, you probably know each other's name, but you've never really established a friendship. It feels a little bit unacceptable to go and speak to them. But guess what? That doesn't have to change you. You clicked on the Skillshare class to go against the norm and actually to start speaking to people in real life and to start making new friends. That means that we can't always follow the social norms because the social norms in terms of making friends in school leads to a lot of kids feeling lonely and although you get in a sense of friction to think wait like should I go speak to new people right now but what if everyone's looking and you know it's kind of awkward the truth is that loneliness is so much worse than that you must believe in your mind that it is totally okay acceptable and even encouraged for you to go and make new friends no matter what month it is that this is the normal healthy thing to do let's start the specific advice in terms of making friends in school it's all about those small opportunities which you have to speak to new people people before and after your classes and also through your lunch and your break periods. You already learned about basic conversations in this Skillshare class. If you're an ambitious man, make it your goal to have a basic conversation with as many people as possible, maybe everyone in your year. Make it your goal to at least have a small basic conversation with them. Not only would a goal like this power level your social skills for the rest of your life, but you'll also end up making friends this year instead of waiting up until the next school year starts. So here is like the autistic specific advice that you can take. Let's say that you're lining up outside of a classroom so I'm assuming that COVID is stopped and you can um, be in school now instead of doing Zoom calls. So if you're all lining up outside of a classroom getting ready to go in and this is a class that you've been around quite a lot, you know everyone in there, they know you but of course let's say if there's 30 kids in that class maybe 27 of them aren't really necessarily your friends and you've never really deeply interacted with them. Well, take that opportunity. As you line up, you can go speak to a new person, stand next to a new person and literally just say it casually, like, oh, like, what's up, Jacob? But like, well, I hardly ever speak to you. Have you done the homework for today? The truth is that if you think that this is gonna be awkward, then it will be awkward. If you think that, no, like, that's, yeah, that's casual, I could do that, it's no problem. Then it won't seem awkward, it will seem just casual. With advice like this, you have to know that you will feel certain emotions that you have to overcome to get to the goal that you've set for yourself. So even if it feels weird, or awkward. Do not let these emotions dictate the future of your experience in this school. I end every single one of my YouTube channels by saying do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. You cannot let your feelings dictate the actions that you take. And chances are that your feelings have been hijacked by the modern world and the addictions and the technology that we have these days. Just 20 years ago, 
no one would have found this weird, but we find it weird now because everyone's online instead. And you can carry the same casual intention to the opportunities that you find yourself in lunchtime and breaks before and after school. You can literally just go to a dinner table with people that you don't know or people that you kind of know, but you're not really friends with and just ask them like, hi, is anyone sitting here? You sit down, you can get into a basic conversation. In terms of making friends at school, the main mindset to keep is just get into a lot more basic conversations. You'll find that some of these conversations end up turning into deep conversations and they're the ones that turn into new friendships. And so it's all just math. Every 10 people you go and approach, you'll get into three basic conversations. And every 10 good basic conversations that you get into, you'll probably get into one good deep conversation. So if you approach 100 people over the next few months, you'll get 30 good interactions with people that you can now start saying like hi to in the corridors and giving fist bumps. And you'll also get three solid deep conversations, which pretty much turn into friendships. So think about that. 100 approaches, three new friends. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> to make friends in a party or any kind of social event. This is actually the situation where most people wanted to level up their social skills for. I'm gonna give you a very, very important disclaimer. These are not friends. The people that you meet in a party, the people that you meet in a social event, they're probably not gonna become like real good friends, especially if the event is revolving around pleasure and instant gratification and drugs. At that point, you're all more friends with the drugs than you are with each other. But I understand that a lot of people do want to experience a life similar to what I experienced in my time in university where you want to go to parties and you want to be that social fun guy so just keep this disclaimer in mind that the people you meet in these environments aren't just necessarily going to become like your brothers or anything we're going to talk specifically on how to just be like a very social guy and make like friends for the night so let's make up the scenario you're going to go to like a party or a social event kind of at nighttime, and you only know one person the person that you're going with so everyone else is a complete stranger i'm going to show you exactly what i would do in this situation and i've went from being that total you know loner who didn't even get invited to these events to being the guy who like I would go by myself you know I'd get invited by like a girl that I'd met last year and I'd go to a party by myself and I'd end up getting known there, like speaking to the majority of people there. So most people in this situation haven't leveled up their social skills. So when they do enter this party with their one friend, they'll try to stick with their friend all night. And it just, it's just fucking cringe when you see that. Usually it's like two girls and like, you know, one of the girls isn't so confident and she's like just always with a friend. Or sometimes it's with like a guy who's not usually clued up in like the, the etiquette of the party life. So he's just kind of like following the same person. The number one advice I can give you is get the ball rolling before you even get to the event. This is what my friend named Levi would call social lubrication. Before we would go out to a nightclub to get into the mood, I would literally see this guy run across the street and just go like speak to some random person, like even like some, not even a person who's going out, like some 40 year old. And he'd just be fist bumping them and be like, oh, what did you buy from the, the shop? Some shit. And then he'd run across the other street and like go speak to the girls there, then over here and here, here. I remember one time I asked him like, bro, what are you doing? Like, let's wait up until we get into the club and you know, in the club, like we'll speak to girls and everything. He's like, oh bro, like I'm just getting lubed up, gee. <laughs> he literally said that to me and I was asking I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And he said that he's getting ready before we even get into the nightclub so that he is already like up here in terms of the social momentum. Whereas I'm down here thinking, oh yeah, like once we get into the club, I'm gonna speak to loads of girls. So what do you think happened? Before we even walk into the event, he's already spoke to like five people, whereas I'm kind of quiet, reserved and shy. And I've got to almost instantly hype up. So I remember a couple of the first nights
nights that I went out with my friend Levi, he would walk in already with like that cool confidence that he'd already spoke to a bunch of people. So as soon as we walk into the nightclub, he's fist bumping people, he's dancing with the girls, whereas I'm like kind of like, oh yeah, like I'll, I'll go to the bar and get drunk and hopefully that will help. Don't be like me in this situation. I've copied this idea from him and I've done it with every single night out, every single social event since. Get socially lubed up before you get to the event. So let's say you have a party tonight and you're gonna get there for like 10 p.m. It's gonna be one of those like late night ones. Before you get to that specific venue, let's say it's someone's house and you're walking there, start to speak to people on the road. And even before that, let's say you're in the shop to buy alcohol for the night. Speak to the shop attendants more than you normally would. Speak to the person who's like looking at the wine and say like, oh, which one are you gonna get, bro? Like, I don't like wine, which, which one is good for me? Ask like random questions to as many people as possible. On the walk to the actual party, give people fist bumps and just hype up more and more and more. So that by the time you enter the doors of the party or the social event, you're just so much more in that flow state. You've hit the momentum, the ball's rolling. Now here's the very important part. Like we said near the start of this Skillshare class, your first impressions are incredibly important. So you could walk in and you could, you know, speak to the host and just kind of like, you know, stand around awkwardly, like pretending that you're like, you know, reaching into your bag and oh, I've got to, I've got to check a message. I've got a me fuck off, bro. Don't lie. Don't do this bullshit of walking into a party and pretending that you've got like some important message to reply. No, you don't. You walk in and immediately set a nice vibe with as many people as possible. And the easiest way to do that is either a fist bump or a high five. Go around every single person. You don't even need to like say much. You can literally just go around every single person and everyone's going to remember you. If you're visualizing this right now, of course, a couple of the girls there are going to find it weird. They never really fist bumped a guy, but that's still going to get you remembered. And it's still going to start the momentum for you to be able to speak to as many people there as possible. That is so much better than the guy who comes in a quiet mood and just kind of awkwardly like, you know, brushes up next to another guy and be like, do you, do you go to university, bro? Uh, where are you from? Don't do that shit. You want to be more of the social butterfly. If that is your goal to like be in the middle of the group. Now the weak part of your mind, the Jeffrey part of your mind just said, oh, no, uh, uh, I, I, I wouldn't like that. I don't want to be the social butterfly. I don't want to be the center of attention. Fuck that, bro. Unless you have specifically already experienced this life many times, unless you've already got like a, a huge social skill experience, that is weakness. That is an excuse. Do not allow your brain to convince you that this isn't the life that you want. You know, you don't want to at least be able to be the guy who almost feels like he's at the center of the party. If you've experienced that life many, many times, or at least a couple times, and you didn't like it, fair enough. Be truthful to yourself right now. Have you truly experienced that life where you've walked into the party and you are like the life of the party? Because if you haven't, do not listen to the part of your brain that says like, oh, like I, I wouldn't like that because you simply don't know. Why don't you at least level up your social skills, get yourself in that position, and then see if you'll like that or not. I've heavily reduced how much I party because I thought it was quite detrimental for me. I really, really overdid it. I was taking a lot of drugs. I was going out, I was drinking, I was staying up late. It was messing up my progress in the gym, my mind. I was indulging in casual sex. And so I've taken a big step back away from the party scene. A couple times a year, I will go back into it. I'll see some friends and we'll go out. And I promise you right now that even though I've taken a step back from that situation, when I do indulge every now and then and I go for a party or a social event or a rave or a nightclub, I still want to be in the center of the attention because having experienced pretty much all sides to life in this environment, you just don't want to be one of those guys who comes in and feels awkward and says like, oh, you know, I don't like clubs anyway because they're too loud to talk to people. You would rather for one night just let loose and be the guy who just like doesn't really care but who makes everyone feel welcome fist bumping everyone and you're in the middle like dancing and telling stories and so at this point in the social event of the party just bear in mind that you don't actually need to get into deep conversations to make friends here because we're not trying to make like you know real deep friends maybe you'll want to connect with some people get them on instagram and then later on if you really really like them you'll speak through instagram you'll follow the principles from making friends online and you'll get deeper then but there and then in the party focus entirely on the basic conversation structure remember in the basic conversation video of this 
class, we said that basic conversations are about the right here, right now. Don't be the dweeb who comes in and says like, oh, what, what, what do you study in university? What what do you do? Don't ask those boring ass questions. It's more like you literally just go up to someone like, I like your jumper. I like this. I like that. Did you see that? Have you seen this thing? Like, have you seen that guy over there who just threw up? You want to speak about what's happening right here, right now, plus telling funny, interesting, exciting stories. A lot of young guys don't have the confidence for this, but if you have a couple of like exciting, interesting stories, it almost feels kind of cringe to, you know, have like a story ready to like tell people. But the truth is it makes you a very captivating person. You should at least have like some things that you've done. I don't recommend lying because you're just a dweeb if you have to lie. This is more like, okay, go and live like an exciting life. So for example, with one of the last parties that I went to, I told the story of what happened to me when I went to Croatia. So imagine that every year the sports clubs in university go on like a big trip. They tour to like some place and you know, they party and they just do like a bunch of like stupid stuff. I was with boxing. We go to Croatia. The short version of this is that imagine like a 35 hour coach ride. It's so uncomfortable. We get there and after the first day I get deported. Now see what I've just done there. I could have just told you, oh yeah, like, you know, I tell them the story of what happened in Croatia because I got deported. I could have just told you the facts, but because I just brought in a couple of extra details, you can see that I've just leveled up my storytelling. It captivated you more. You kind of want to know like, okay, what the fuck? Why did you get deported? And so in the next video of this class, we're going to go through advanced social skills and one of them will be storytelling. I'll see you there. For this final video of the class, we're going to go through advanced social skills and we're going to speak about leadership, charisma, and storytelling. If you feel like a total spurg and you're just new to social skills and you already feel a little overwhelmed by everything that we spoke about, you don't even need to watch this video just yet. If I was you, focus entirely on like the basic conversations, the deep conversations, the eye contact, smile, the basic principles, because if you focus on them, you'll actually see a higher improvement to your social skills rather than being like the guy who like, you know, confuses himself and overwhelms himself with these advanced ones. Let's talk about leadership as a social skill. I think some of the best advice I've ever given on YouTube and on Reddit was a phrase that I used to say, which was be the initiator. This one phrase means so much to me. And a few people have literally gotten in touch with me, like sending me like paragraphs saying that it's changed their lives. Be the initiator. Once you have the fundamental social skills down and you kind of understand, yeah, you know, eye contact, smile, basic conversations, deep conversations, you're kind of socially clued up. Now it's time for you to take a huge step forward. Be the leader, be the initiator of the action. By going out there and approaching someone, you're already the initiator because you're the one who's taking action. But let's now start making plans. Most people stop way before this and that's why they never get like a vibrant social life and they especially never feel like they're in the middle of that social life. By the phrase, be the initiator, what I'm saying is that you are the one who initiates, you are the one who makes the plans with someone. So you're the one who takes action, approaches someone, has a basic conversation with them, a deep conversation, you get their number, you reach out to them first and then you make plans and invite them to it. The first time that I ever did this was in my second year of university where I started hosting the pre-drinks and the after parties. So in the UK sort of drinking degenerate culture, we have pre-drinks, which happens at around eight to 9 p.m. And it's like, everyone comes to like a, a flat, just like drink there, listen to music. And then we all go out to the club and the club finishes at like 3 a.m. And then usually like the total like degenerates will come back 3 a.m. to like five or six or 11 sometimes and go back to like some flats. And so I started hosting in that shit and of course I you know this is a degenerate thing and I'm not telling you to like emulate exactly what I did but the principles I use were effective so take the responsibility yourself to bring people into your plan I remember being in my boxing club and outside of boxing you know I was already going out with like one or two friends and of course you know we drink together but it was the time in boxing when we spoke to like two other guys and I told them well, yeah, like you know me and my friend are gonna drink tonight in my place you guys may as well and more and more guys wanted to come join us for that and then there was points where I would literally have like seven eight nine ten people in my room before 
we were about to go out and of course everyone is kind of aware like yeah it's your room you're the one who's invited them you've texted them the details you've invited them up you're the one who's like you know gotten cups and like i've got like a nice like beanbag chair i've got music playing i've got lights and everything and it sets this like personality for yourself where you feel like oh like like i'm the host how did this even happen? Like, I'm actually the one now who's, like, people have come into my place and they're, like, thanking me for bringing them around. So how exactly do you be the initiator? You need to be the one who's making plans with everyone else. At the start of this Skillshare class, the first video there is my social skills story. And I told you briefly about, like, the new fancy gym that I started going to and I started a hiking club. And we're all going to go hiking next Friday. But I'm going to make that first, like, my social skills story video after that. So I'm speaking before it right now. But we're going to go hiking next Friday. I'm the one who's organized that. I've made the group chat. I've added, like, 50 people to the group chat and every time I go speak to someone new and we hit it off in the gym I tell them oh yeah by the way like there's a hiking club from this gym and you can come with us next Friday and I see their faces light up because I want you to think about that right now like really visualize imagine you're speaking to some guy in the gym and you know you're having a really good conversation and he tells you yeah like oh yeah a bunch of us from this gym are gonna go hiking next Friday would you like to come with us you'd feel phenomenal if you got asked that question if you got invited to that so why don't you become that guy because you can you know passively drift through life you'll meet these like cool fun guys who invite you to do stuff maybe once a year or so you know obviously it's averaging right and you know like some random guy will approach you or stuff that will happen every now and then but what if you become that guy what if you're the guy who's making the plans who's inviting other people and that same feeling that you just visualize yourself having other people will have because of you so you make plans for something that you want to do maybe you want to go do it alone or maybe you want to do it with like a close friend and you, you two are definitely going to do it so let's say a hike you and your friend want to go on a hike next friday that plan is set in stone and you already know what's going to happen then just be the person who start over openly inviting other people that you'd like to join you and really think of the other people really think like you know for a fact the majority of people in a gym are going to be down to hike because obviously there's a level of exercise and challenge but also for example when I invited people to this hike I also like would ask them questions oh where are you coming from do you have a car do you want to join us in our car people really appreciate that not only that when you're the leader of these situations you're the guy who's planning it you're the like you know the group chat admin you're the only person who can add people to the group like it makes you feel good maybe it's like you know vanity thing but it feels fucking awesome being in that position when you've been down here so be the leader be the initiator. Take action. You approach them. You invite them into the fun. The second advanced social skill is charisma. Think about a charismatic person. What do you see? What are they like? It's a person who's totally present, who's like literally focused on the person that they're speaking to. It's a person who's confident. It's a person who's friendly, who's well-known. Charisma is kind of like putting together everything that we've learned into one big package. And how do you become more charismatic? The author of the book, The Charisma Myth, gave three pillars of charisma and we can level each one up individually. There's presence, warmth, and power. We've already spoke about presence briefly before. Presence is like mindfulness, it's total focus. It's not allowing your thoughts to like, you know, wander off. It's like being focused on the person that you're speaking about and not like, you know, looking away from them. Imagine if I recorded a video like this and I just kept on like looking around, like it wouldn't have the same impact because I speak directly to the camera lens, but I speak to like you as an individual. There's a level of charisma that I'm emitting as I record these videos. And again, to increase your presence, just get into meditation. Any of the apps, literally any of them, don't overthink it. Download any of the meditation apps and just start giving it a go. Remember, it doesn't have to like work right now. A lot of people get confused by meditation. You know, you've heard of all the benefits and like all the entrepreneurs do it and stuff, but then you give it a try. It doesn't seem to do anything. It's just annoying and you feel like, no, I can't meditate. It's kind of like going to the gym. You can't go to your first workout and expect it to like feel good. You can't expect to see results from that. But the person who just blindly shows up to the gym a couple times a week for a couple of months makes quite significant progress. And of course, it's like you hit the ground running after you've been doing it for a couple of weeks. You start learning some things. You start researching more right here, right now 
now if you're not consistent in meditation just download one of the apps any app follow any of the meditations every single day and just don't overthink it within some time you'll start to understand it you'll get an interest for it you'll find yourself like automatically searching for like content on meditation and presence you'll read books on it and you'll start to learn more and more presence is a very beautiful thing and it's a big part of being charismatic the second part of being charismatic is warmth warmth is kind of like you liking the other person visualize a person who you're deem as cold you probably see like some person wearing like a suit who looks stern and you know maybe he's a respected leader or something but he doesn't really make you feel good imagine the same person but now they're warm they emit warmth suddenly you just like this person so much more we love people who are warm it's like the elderly black woman who calls you like sugar or baby or honey it's like the old man who like fully smiles at you and says good morning it, it kind of like just gives you like a flash of like what times used to be like before technology when someone is warm towards you you automatically feel quite warm towards them it shows like yeah like we have like a weird spiritual level of like love and connectivity to each other and that's a beautiful thing but warmth by itself can sometimes be seen as weak. So, you know, you visualize that that cold person may be wearing a suit and we kind of respected that person. But the moment that we imagined them to be warm, we kind of assumed that they were less respectful, that they were less powerful. That's why the third and the very important pillar of charisma is power. You need to have power coupled with warmth and presence. Presence and warmth by themselves makes you like, yeah, like, you know, a, a nice person, a kind hearted person. But this type of person doesn't really like lead. This isn't really like a great leader. Combine these with power. So for example, on my YouTube channel, I kind of have like all the power. I'm like the leader. If I go join some random club, like like chess and I'm not good at chess and I'm gonna have quite a low level of like power or value of like status in that place and so I will emit less charisma than the guy who's like the grandmaster to improve your power you've just got to become better at the environment that you're currently in and of course other things will help so again in like the chess club scenario just because of the fact that for example I've built my body I have a certain level of power emitting from me because I've got like a visual cue that shows like strength and dominance and finally the last advanced social skill that we're gonna cover is storytelling I think storytelling is actually one of the most important parts of social skills. For some of the basic interactions, you don't really need to have great storytelling. But if you can level up your storytelling skill, you will do very, very well amongst others. How did religions dominate stories? Parables. How did Coney 2012 get viral? Stories. Our message spreads through stories. I could have just laid out the cold hard facts of this class in like one 10 minute video. Okay, do this, do this, do this. But you wouldn't have done it. Because to influence someone, to feel important to someone, they've got to imagine things. Stories and the way that you describe things, the way that you speak, gets that person to start like seeing things in their mind. In sales and marketing, a very important tactic to increase the conversions is stories storytelling. You have to get them to visualize, to see them using your product in their mind. And the same is true when you're trying to make friends. You have to get them to like visualize you guys together as friends. And if they've done that, then yeah, like you're going to end up being friends. But when you tell a story, especially in a group, in a party, in a social event, you are captivating. Every single video that I make on YouTube, I tell a story. So how do you get better at stories? Well, it's practice. Just like everything else. I know that's the unsexy answer, but just like everything else, storytelling is just a skill. And for the majority of people, we just haven't really practiced this skill. So bear it in mind to become better at telling stories, tell more stories. You'll find which part of your story captivates the audience and which part they kind of turn around and you know, you lose their attention. And it's like every time you do that, you're getting like experience XP in like the storytelling skill. And once you get to level 30 in this skill, you're able to like hold everyone's attention. But let's also break down what makes a good story. The step zero of 
telling a good story is to actually think about your audience. Think about what they'd relate to. So in fact, you know, I told you about the story that when I go to social events and parties, I tell a story of me getting deported from Croatia. The reason why I almost always end up telling that story is because it's related to drugs and partying. And so when I'm in the party environment, the people there relate to it. And if you're wondering, like, yeah, I got deported, not necessarily deported, but I bought MDMA, which is like a drug from someone there. It's all like, you know, big party scene and everything. And I'm like in a friendly mood, I'm hanging, handing it out to people. Everyone's so happy. I'm like, oh my God, he's giving out away free drugs. And one of the people that I offered it to was part of like the student union and so you know i'm having a good time and like i'm literally i've taken it myself so i'm getting like you know the effects and everything and out of nowhere literally just like i just feel that i turn around and there's three people there there's like there's two guys and there's like this fucking woman bro my heart started beating fast because you can obviously tell that they work there or something and like oh yeah you have to come with us you offered drugs or some someone from the student union complained about you you have to come with us like and straight away like she gets serious i've just realized like fuck like i'm in croatia like I, I don't know what the prison system is here but like my legs start shaking and fuck they're fully like saying it to me like no like you're gonna have to come like the, essentially like the party gets drowned out now now it just gets serious my friends are still enjoying themselves on the beach and everything them. Unless you start apologizing, I don't know what like you know, they're saying like no no like you have to come with us like and I start pleading and shit and, like my friends come over and like they're asking what's happening and the, they start saying like yeah like we, they've got to follow the rules of like the tour like guide whatever like you know the the party thing that we're with and the rule is that if anyone's caught with drugs they have to like confiscate it they have to bring the person inside cut off their wristband get them ready to send home but before that they also have to call the police and see what the police want to do because obviously you're in like a different country that's scary as fuck my friends are literally like panicking as fuck we literally just got here we travel like 35 hours to get here we're probably being nice and like the two guys i like i'm looking at them and i'm saying like bro like i'll throw it into the bin or i'll empty it out into the bin if you go get me like a bin bag i'll literally just go around the beach and just clean up like the rubbish here i'm like fully pleading them and they actually look to each other and they're like that's actually quite reasonable like he's literally saying he'll clean the beach he'll sacrifice him on the night of fun whilst he's on drugs to clean the beach and so they're like oh yeah um yeah fine so i'm about to empty it out and the, the woman fucking grabs me and she's like no like we have to follow the protocol or some shit i don't know she's a manager or some shit we have to follow the the guideline or some, some bullshit like that fuck man i remember it's like the longest walk back to like the hotel that we were in it was only like five minutes away but it felt fucking long they took the the pack of drugs that i had the pack of mdma in the bag but i still had another one in my pocket that was full and i was literally on the way there i was try trying to think like, okay can i like because they were walking next to me like looking at me and shit. i was thinking like, can i like sneakily like take out my pocket and just fucking eat it to the side of the thing and i'm literally thinking that for like a minute at this point like my friends are walking with me and they're probably like one of the girls i was with like i just only met her for this part like this party tour thing but she's fully crying her eyes out like fully like pull pulling the guys and telling them like no 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 like you know let him stay we'll do this we'll do this they're getting a bit more aggressive towards us and i like, know like we'll call the police on youtube and shit like and um, I try and throw away the other one and as I take it out of my pocket, one of the guy goes, yeah, I'll, I'll confiscate that, bro. Fuck. <laughs> I didn't even mean to tell this entire story here, but I may as well. So they bring me into like the hotel, sit me there. And the hotel is like these big ass fucking bouncers. It's so weird. It's supposed to be, you know, for like party and everything. But the company that organized like the, the university tour for this year, like, you know, booked out this entire like huge like villa thing, like, you know, 600 rooms or something. And it has like these big ass bouncers, like clean shaven, fucking huge, like meathead looking motherfuckers. And they just kind of like surrounded me, just cut off my wristband. So pretty much like you need your wristband to do everything there. So pretty much just not, not doing anything else now. Told to sit there. And and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, just wait for Mike. Wait for Mike. Mike will come and speak to you. Mike will deal with it and everything. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting. At this point, honestly, it's like, 
4 a.m. because obviously you know it's after the party, it's taking a while and everything. Mike wakes up and he's looks looking sleepy and he asks me questions. He's like interrogating me because they have to take this shit seriously and he's like, where did I buy it from? What does he look like? Describe him. Do you have his Instagram? How much did I pay and all this shit? And, and he's saying like, you seem like a good lad, but like we do have to follow the rules. I'm literally telling him, bro, come on, what's the point? Like you've already cut my wristband. Like I'm gonna have to go home. That's fucking mad. Like I don't know what to do. Do I get the coach home? Like we're in a different country. I'm from the UK, bro. We drove to Croatia from the UK in like a big coach. It was like a 35 hour ride drove through like switzerland and everything he's like we do have to maybe they won't take it so seriously because we'll tell them like you've been a good boy and stuff but he's like okay it's like four half four a.m so just get some sleep we'll wake up at 12 and then we'll just see what they say i go to my room i set an alarm for 9 a.m i wake up go to the front of the fucking desk and so it goes to the person like they held my passport behind the thing oh yeah mike said to pass me my passport because they need to see it he just gives me my passport i call a fucking taxi and just dip the fuck out i swear to god i got three flights home it cost me 400 pounds so i tell this story in an environment where people can somewhat relate to it because it's related to like partying and you know being wild and everything and of course I'm not necessarily like proud of being in that situation but I do think it's somewhat important to have some stories where you've like done stuff like that so I'm not saying particularly to put yourself in a situation where you're breaking the law or you're doing anything that's going to harm your way but the truth is that if you're living quite like you know a young adventurous stupid lifestyle for a couple of years of your life even if you're not even if you're just doing some random stuff you're going to end up having stories and if you feel like you don't have any to really tell right now you probably do you're just kind of thinking like oh but i've never like you know been arrested before i've never done that but this is for a very specific audience that i would tell it to if for example i was meeting an entrepreneur and we're talking about business i wouldn't tell him this story i would tell him the story of when covid started hitting for months i had debating leaving my girlfriend we're living in an apartment we were together for three years and i don't know if you've like lived with a girl that you're dating it's a totally other level compared to just you know being in a relationship she's having a piss I'm having a piss. We're both brushing our teeth every single day together, but I wasn't productive whilst I was staying in that apartment with her. Every single day I would wake up and I would smoke weed and I'm not even exaggerating. I would wake up early. I would go to the gym. It was the one productive thing I was doing was going to the gym. I'd come back, load up the fucking crack pipe. I'd smoke from a pipe of like just smoking weed. I'd be binge and Like I was, you know, I, I, I'm so dedicated in my body transformation but for years living with this girl I was just binge eating every single day because you get the munchies or smoking every day and so for months for honestly about nine months I debated leaving her moving back home to my family home because I knew that I would be productive here filled out two journals like you know two like books filled out two debating this decision and eventually COVID hits the lockdown hits and everything and a few months after that I'm like fully you know thinking about coming home I do like two days back at home just kind of feeling it out and eventually come back home and from that moment started like my self-improvement journey i was productive i was meditating every single day i was out in nature every single day whilst all the gyms were closed i got a pair of gymnastic rings and i just learned a completely new skill over covid honestly like i spoke to a girl yesterday and she was saying like you know the world shut down for covid and it was everyone's worst time and i said like yeah not to like like she, she knew my story so she actually said it for for me but she was saying like yeah like apart from you covid it wasn't the most productive time of my life i was waking up early i didn't really speak to many people i was just totally focused on the business i went from essentially starting a youtube channel with like i had like 40 subscribers and by the time the lockdown went down i had more than a hundred thousand that's the story that i tell to an entrepreneur so just think to yourself right now because you probably have a lot more to tell than you actually think chances are that the person that you actually want to meet the person who's kind of similar to you you'll have stories that he would be interested in bring them out because you really captivate someone when you do that you really make them remember you so much more yeah there's basic conversations and the deep conversations 
conversations when you tell a good story to someone even if it's short they'll remember it creates like a lasting impression on them it makes them like see things in their mind you've literally just through your words you've created a movie in their mind that's incredibly powerful i owe my success on youtube to storytelling know your audience know who you're speaking to know what story that they'll be interested in and of course you must see storytelling like a skill because you're not going to be good at it when you first start i found that when i do speak about this and i give this advice to a lot of young guys instantly they just discredit themselves and say like nope i'm not good at it so i'm not gonna do it but that's like saying like nope i'm not muscular so i'm not gonna go to the gym and like bro like you get muscular by going to the gym you get good at storytelling by telling stories some important points of telling a good story is to invoke emotion and like mental pictures into your audience make them feel what you feel emphasize certain things talk with your hands demonstrate remember when i said like like i was in croatia and then like, i felt this it makes it more real for you don't tell them the facts describe the emotion you want to invoke their empathy so they feel like they were part of the story this is how religions do it so perfectly because they make you feel like the good guy of the story as you hear a parable from the bible it's almost like you you can play it in your mind and you want to think like okay i would do the right thing if you've watched this far of this skillshare class I think the reason why you were hooked onto it was the first video where I went through my social skills story. I started this class by telling the story. I didn't just do a normal Skillshare introduction where I say like, oh yeah, you will learn this and this and this is what we're gonna cover because that's like, it's irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant for me to tell you like, oh, here's the class breakdown, it doesn't matter. You'll forget what like was in the class breakdown within a few minutes. But me telling you my story, how I went from like a standard video game nerd who didn't really have any friends in real life, but had some friends on Skype and then went like just ultra and lonely wasn't even allowed to play video games anymore to eventually the party scene to eventually like the monk mode speaking to no one then I had like one friend who I did gymnastic rings with to now where like I, I fully feel like a popular guy but for the first time because I have felt like popular before but for the first time I feel popular in a healthy way with good people around me I'm not friends with like degenerates anymore I'm not you know my social life isn't revolving around drugs like it was a few years ago and I'm so incredibly grateful for that that's the power of improving your social skills and I wish that for you. If you're interested to learn more about social skills and self-improvement, mental health, physical health, all that stuff that I'm interested in, if you're interested in that, then you can scroll down. I've linked my YouTube channel. We've got like 270K subscribers. It's one of the fastest growing YouTube channels out there right now, which is a big fucking flex. But if you want, you can have a look at that. And I've also linked my Discord server below if you want to join a community. It's entirely free. Do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. Mwah! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 